0: You're tuned in to the biggest balls of them all. That's right, Playing With Balls Podcast. We got sports and comedy for that ass. You about to go downtown, bitch, on the only podcast that sports platinum and brunette chicks. That's right, Playing With Balls Podcast, you dig? (laughs)
1: Welcome to the Playing With Balls podcast. I am your host, comedian Shannon Lee. I'm coming at you from Santa Monica, California in my home studio with my second co-host, Callie the Bulldog. And today we've got a really fun guest. Actually, um, I uh, am excited because he is a super uh, New York fan uh, and all sense of the word for sports and he and I have had some words in the past about Philly and New York so it should be very interesting Joe Prano he is a super funny comedian he was actually a part of our um, home run derby he chose Giancarlo Stanton he had the first pick and he did not win so we will talk about that and also he is a co-host with Andy Ruther of a super successful sports podcast um, dirty Sports. So if you guys aren't tuning into that already, you need to be. So I'm going to bring him up here in a moment. Welcome, Joe.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
1: Thanks for being here. Um, I feel
0: like this is a long time coming.
1: Yeah. Well- I,
0: I I am the backside on your uh on your promo shoots
1: (laughs) oh yeah i totally forgot about that so
0: for all you ladies out there who (laughs) are like who's that strong back in the playing with balls poster (laughs) whose butt
1: is that (laughs) oh my and that yeah because i have my arm like propped up on your shoulder yeah i actually thought that those were so funny because you know like we just started doing the podcast last year and I've had I started looking at him after a while like especially when Rachel was still doing it because she was like grabbing your butt and then I was like looking all like serious and it was like I am sassy I am (laughs) slutty like I don't know and I was like that's basically what we kind of looked like you know. But um, yeah, so it's uh, it's nice to have the front of you here. Yeah. So yeah. So thanks. I should, yeah, I should do
0: the whole thing backwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Actually, I'm doing some new um, some new photo stuff uh, coming up here in the, at the end of the month. Now, actually, I'm going to be doing um, like weird, like one where I'm uh, obviously solo, but also one where I'm like maybe. Always wearing your favorite sports team in all of the pictures. Philadelphia. Oh, by the way, did you? L- I wore this for you. Um, I'm wearing you my did. Phillies, yep. my Philly yep. shirt, in um, my new red Converse. Um, but I'm also gonna be like doing something with. It's like a little bit more playing with balls esque, I guess. So your butt is not gonna be there for much longer. But maybe well, like another rest month. Rest in
0: peace, my butt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know. And then you actually were just on the podcast, sort right. of. Um, no, you were. I mean, not solo, but uh, for the Home Run Derby, you picked uh, Gian... How do you say his name? Gian- Gian-
0: Giancarlo Stanley. I don't
1: know if it's Giancarlo or Giancarlo. I've never yeah. known that. It's actually Mike. Is it really? Yeah,
0: but he changed it. Yeah, his name is actually Mike.
1: Why did he choose that as his first name?
0: I, I don't know. If it was because of this, but there was another Mike Stanton who was a big leaguer for a long time. Uh, Maybe he was just trying to rebrand as Giancarlo (laughs) for when they, it it happened right as they went to Miami and they became the Miami Marlins. I think he was, you know. New new team name, new player name.
1: Yeah. Well, that kind of fits with Miami a little bit. Yeah. Especially because he didn't spell it John, like J-O-H-N. Right. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Huh. I did not know that.
0: Well, but anyway. he was in the big leagues as Mike Stanton for a while, which was funny.
1: He was? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So
0: you can go get a Mike Stanton rookie card and a Giancarlo Stanton modern day card. So
1: who did the other... Sorry. Who did the other... um Mike Stanton play for Mike
0: Stan was a kind of a journeyman pitcher. Probably his most famous years were he was a reliever on the a couple of those Yankees teams that won the World Series. Oh, okay. Or maybe not won the World Series, but when they were contending with yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the late '90s, early
1: 2000s. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, this is very good information yeah. to know. I did not know yeah. this. It's
0: probably all wrong. But.
1: <laughs> well, welcome back.
0: Yeah, thank you. And
1: then we've had I've had um, your counterpart on here, um, Andy Ruther right. from Dirty Sports. So right. it's about time we had you anyway. Yeah, um, yeah so I like to talk about... The first time I met the guest, and I was actually trying to th- remember before you got here, when did I first meet you? And I don't really remember, I don't actually remember, but it was just through comedy, I think.
0: Yeah, I want to say it was at um, O'Brien's.
1: Mm. It may have been at O'Brien's. Um, and I remember, because I remember I told you you were my favorite comedian on the West Side. Yes. <laughs> and then I've had you in several shows since then. Yep. So... Yeah, it was probably at O'Brien's when I used to run O'Brien's, and then you've been in the basement a couple times, mm-hmm. and we talk about the basement a lot as our unofficial sponsor right. on <laughs> the Playing with Balls what a podcast. Great show. Yeah, it is a good yeah. show, isn't it? Yeah. So you were just on tour um, with somebody who headlined for us, Eddie Ift. Yep. Yeah, how did that go?
0: It was awesome. It was eleven days, uh, started here in L.A. and went up through the Pacific Northwest into Idaho, and then wrapped up in Denver. So I think I did eight or nine shows in 11 days and saw parts of the country I'd never seen before. I'd never been to Washington or Oregon. Ooh. So I uh, I checked two states off my list that I hadn't visited before, and I realized after I looked, I am at 43 of 50.
1: That's awesome. So that's
0: pretty, pretty good, you know. Uh, take, taking two down was a nice... Nice part of nice bonus to the trip.
1: What did you think of Washington and Oregon? Beautiful, right? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. it was great. I loved Oregon was, I mean, awesome. Yeah. To drive through Oregon. When you leave like Northern California and keep going through Oregon, that was that was great. Yeah. And then Washington super cool because it's kind of two different states. You yeah. have the Pacific part of Washington. That's what you kind of think of when you think of Pacific Northwest. Yep. And then you cross like an a, there's an actual like divide in the state. And it just from one minute to the next, it goes from what you think of from the Pacific Northwest to just the desert. Right. And then you're just in, you know, desert. Yeah. It looks like, you know, central California or.
1: A lot of people don't know that about Washington, though, because you just think of like really lush. It rains a lot. You know what I mean? I remember um, the first time I went to Washington, I was I have a funny story about Seattle. I was 13. No, I was younger than that I was it was the first time I'd ever been on a plane by myself because my aunt lives in this place called Enumclaw which is outside of Seattle and um I think I was like 10 or 11 I don't I, still young enough that you have to have a person like come watch you on the plane or whatever yep. and I remember um seeing all these people in like flannels with like gross hair and it was raining all the time and everyone looked so depressed like they were going to kill themselves. And I was like, I hate Seattle. And I came home and I I said, I hate Seattle. Everyone there is gross and dirty and depressed and I would never want to live there. I think I'd be sad. And then like two or three years later, Um, like grunge rock happened and what I didn't realize at the time was like I was a kid but it it hadn't popped yet like in, in the rest of America right and I was just like watching it in it's like very early stages, which I actually now think is kind of cool just because I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the time I was like, "Ew, I hate it here. Everyone. And then everyone looked like Kurt Cobain. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's like what I always thought about Seattle. And then until I was an adult and like knew what that was. And then now I just think it's like really pretty.
0: Yeah. And that was my first time in Seattle. And it was like sunny the whole time and beautiful mm. and perfect. And everybody's like, oh, it's never like this. And I was like, well, cool. (laughs) But what sucks is like I wanted rain. I wanted Mm -hmm. to experience like real Seattle, like going there and having it be west side L.A. weather. Right. I get plenty of 70 and sunny.
1: Yeah like your life's not that hard yeah. you know you live in West LA yeah yeah well you know and that's why it's so green and like lush there but normally it does rain I think it's like the highest place for like suicides actually because,
0: right yeah because it's all rainy because it's rainy and if people don't get their Starbucks they get all depressed and then they kill themselves well yeah.
1: <laughs> that's probably why yeah and, but I know like in um, Oregon they're like real serious about their coffee there right they're like they're like hipster like cold press just like that Portlandia show have yeah, you ever seen yeah, that before yeah. I actually really love Oregon it's a little too hipster for me but um like i don't know if i could like adapt as well you know but i think it's just like a different kind of pretty than washington yeah you know and i don't know if you had a chance to go to like the willamette valley um no i I went wine tasting there once just because i had to catch a flight and it was and it's like the best like wine ever and i never knew until i went there it's like but it's just so different than washington but it has like some of the same like attributes you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah, we unfortunately we didn't get to spend a lot of time anywhere because it was like from one show to the next, or mm-hmm. we try to get halfway if we had to, you know, had a show the next day. So we actually spent a, probably the most time in Seattle of any place, but we really only stopped over in Portland. We didn't even have a show in Portland. We had a show in Eugene, and then we had a show in Seattle, and we we just got to Portland halfway, spent the night, got up the next day, got some voodoo donuts, and mm-hmm. then hit the road. How was Eugene? Eugene was super cool, yeah. uh, But it's obviously a college town, yeah, and the college wasn't in session, so you had summer school kids come to the show, and it was, uh, it was fun, and it was a great cool town. But I feel like it would have been a lot cooler if it was like September.
1: Yeah, I've never been there before, but I heard it's a really cool town. Yeah, and
0: we did a cool club called Hi-Fi Music Lounge. A lot of the we did a few shows at comedy clubs, and we did a. A handful of like small rock clubs, which is super fun and you know, you get a whole different vibe. And uh the Hi Fi music lodge or music lounge had a taco truck out back and it was just like super hip college bar slash rock club.
1: That's awesome. Well it sounds like it was a good little run you did there.
0: Yeah, super fun. And uh Eddie ift is still out on the road and I think he's planning on extending this bingle tour for a while so if, if the bingle bus comes here <laughs> comes to your town check it out
1: where else are they going
0: um so i left in denver and they were doing the midwest okay after that so i think they did nebraska and minneapolis in the last couple nights and now they're off to like chicago and iowa and all those midwest towns and
1: that's cool so like what's the longest tour you've ever done
0: um that's probably it really in, in terms of going out uh straight for you know that many dates like obviously i was like two weeks yeah yeah i go out and feature from time to time for eddie or lachlan and that's cool but it's mostly just fly somewhere do the weekend fly back right and uh this was cool to do a bunch of shows and ride on the bus uh if you haven't seen the bingo bus it's like a podcast studio on a bus and you know there's a kegerator on there and a playstation oh my god that's awesome So super fun
1: that's really fun yeah well that's that's really cool i i actually just booked my first feature so i don't you know i'm always interested to hear like what other people are doing and And where (laughs) are
0: you featuring and who are you featuring for i
1: am featuring in philadelphia for eleanor kerrigan okay uh two nights when i'm there at uh, actually in the next couple weeks at this place called Comedy Works in Bristol, PA on the 11th or 12th and then um, on the 16th at this place called Parks Casino. It's uh, Joe Conklin's comedy show at Parks Casino. Cool. Yeah, in Ben Salem and then there's a chance I might be featuring for Brett Ernst at the Punchline and that I'm trying to work out. Where's, but,
0: it, where's Punchline? Up in San Francisco?
1: No, Punchline in Philly. It's oh, yeah, cool. It's it's actually kind relatively new. It only opened last year and actually I happened to be back east when he... Brett was there, and um, my whole family like went to his show, and we got a chance. I met the Booker and stuff, and then it, ironically, we're gonna be there at the same weekend again this year. Cool. So yeah, I'm actually going back to throw a baby sh- a baby shower for my sister, um, but it just works out that I'm getting to. That, feature. I mean, that's the
0: way to do it. Yeah. Honestly, like I try to book gigs around every vacation or a vacation around every gig. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going somewhere for a show, I'll be like, Oh, I'll stick around and I'll see the city. Or if I'm going back to New York or going back to the East coast, I'll be like, Oh, let me see who I can feature for or what shows I can book while I'm there. At this point, I just try to make everything a working vacation. Yeah. And it, I think it helps. It's like, it, it keeps you motivated to keep traveling and keep working.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. that I've started to do that more and more. Like anytime I'm somewhere, I'm like always thinking, how can I just, you know, Jump into a club one night, at least while I'm there, make it work. and and you, and it's been working out. I think that i've I've done that a lot more like in the last couple years, you cool. know, yeah, it's really cool. Um, do you do a lot in New York when you're back since you're from there?
0: Yeah. When I go back, I go back to New York usually three or four times a year. Mm -hmm. And usually for, it it used to be for like three weeks, two or three weeks. And now I've, I found that like 10 days to Mm -hmm. two weeks is kind of like the perfect amount of time. After that, I start missing LA, especially if the weather, if it's like winter or super hot summer. And, uh, so I usually go 10 days, two weeks. And it's funny, like, the last couple times I've gone, I've done, I've worked so much that 10 days will be over, and I'll be like, I haven't seen my family, I haven't seen my friends, oh. I haven't seen whatever, because I didn't give myself enough free time yeah. to, like, do everything. So, actually, the last time I went back, I think I booked, like, three gigs and was just like, I'm not going to do anything but see friends and family
1: that's awesome i don't even like i would never be able to get away with that i don't think because i i think like my ideal time back home is like five days yeah because then my family starts to drive me nuts but i if you're like working the whole time that actually probably do you stay with your family the whole time
0: i usually stay with my sister she's got a, an apartment in brooklyn and she has a second oh, bedroom, I love Brooklyn. so i'll go and i'll stay there and it's cool because, obviously, I my family's just a little bit upstate, and a lot of my friends have moved out to the Burbs, but mm-hmm. a lot of my friends still live in the city. Oh, that's cool. So... I'll just be like, I'll go on Facebook. And I'll be like, here's all my dates mm-hmm. and my friends. If you want to see me, come to a show and we'll hang out after, which usually means that I go out drinking to like <laughs> three every night because <laughs> everybody thinks it's like, well, it's my night out. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, well, I was also out last night with somebody whose night out it was.
1: <laughs> so it's like a mini reunion, too. Yeah, yeah, that's I like. Do you get a lot of people out? To see you and see you perform when you're home—that like you wouldn't maybe keep in touch with otherwise, like people from high school and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: I mean, a lot of my friends who I do keep in touch with will will come out and will you know we'll go out and meet for dinner and meet for drinks and then they'll come to a show or they'll come and we'll go out after, but. It's it's always amazing. Like I'll put it out on Facebook or I'll put it on Twitter or whatever. And somebody will just show up and be like, oh, I saw you were here. Like my my old swim coach just like hit <laughs> me up and was like, when you come back to New York, I want to go to a show. And I'm like, what? Like, random. Yeah, So random
1: that your old swim coach. Did you like on Facebook?
0: Yeah, on LinkedIn.
1: On LinkedIn. Yeah. You're on LinkedIn. I'm on
0: LinkedIn. Oh, wow. Yeah
1: that's interesting where did you know who like it was at first because i'm sure your swim coach is like older now yeah
0: and (laughs) uh and like at first i was like who and then Mm -hmm. like i had to i had to like process the name and i was like oh yeah okay wow yeah
1: that's pretty cool though
0: yeah but every time i go home it seems like one or two shows people show up that I just wasn't expecting to see or didn't didn't even realize I was friends with on Facebook or, mm-hmm. or somebody shared it and then they you know a friend of a friend like somebody I went to high school with shared it and somebody else I went to high school with shows up and so it's always interesting. It's always a surprise. So
1: you're like the glue that like holds everybody together. Like they get they all get to see each other like when you come home and perform. Yeah. They're it, like, well, hey I haven't seen you in five years they're like, well Joe's performing. Yeah.
0: And uh two summers ago now um when I I recorded my special at the stand and Mm -hmm. threw the first pitch at the Mets game, Mm -hmm. that was like the big one where we got like 150 people out to the game and I sold out two shows of like 85 people and people that I hadn't seen in forever showed up. I was so like, cool. how do I miss this? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that, this is cool. That's really and, cool. And uh, yeah, so like throwing a first pitch and then going up into the stands and seeing people I hadn't seen forever and everybody wants to buy you a beer to so get like 80 free beer. <laughs> <laughs> or was 85. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, and it, it must be like fun for people to like see you doing well Like be a part of like, you know, your like you taping your special, like all that kind of a thing. Like, you know, I have uh, because I I feel like, you know, uh, even like when I go home and do like helium or something like I see people. And that's why I was asking you this that I haven't seen since high school. And then they're seeing like people that they haven't seen. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool because I never like went to my high school reunion or anything like that. But I I feel like uh, two years ago when I uh, first performed. No, wait, I, three years ago was the first time like I booked like a real club in Philly. And I just everybody that I, I hadn't seen, like ex-boyfriends and like a, I had an art teacher, actually. And it was just cool. Like I kind of like step back and like look at the room and I'm like, this is kind of neat, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, the, like it was just a, a neat way to bring people together. Well,
0: my advice is if you ever record something, don't do it in Philly. Cause I did it in New York and all, like I said, all the people came and it was weird because I'm on stage and it's, I did it at the stand, which I'm not sure if you've been to So yeah. an amazing club only holds. I think they maxed out at like 90 or something like that. We had cameras yeah. and stuff in there. So that number went down. I think it was like 80 plus mm-hmm. when, uh, when I did it and the, it was, it was a tough ticket because I'm from there and everybody, you know, wanted to come see it, but everywhere I looked, I was looking at somebody I knew. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mind if my sister's in the corner of a show or my friend from my high school is in the corner of a show. But when you can't find a sight line where you're not delivering the joke to somebody you went to high school or college or grew up with, it's kind of awkward. And that's, I, really and weird, that's a yeah. lesson I learned in mm. doing it. And Lachlan uh, recorded his special in Venice and he said the same thing. He's like, it's, It was just all friends and it was weird. Yeah, I, was I remember like, yeah. when he
1: did his in Venice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I um, I, I don't know if I'm even like I've thought about it because I won that competition that was actually it was at Caroline's or no Broadway Comedy Club, the March Comedy Madness or whatever. Right. And so when I won last year, they they wanted my comedy album so they could put it on Sirius XM and I didn't have one. And so they were like, well, let's like do one for you in your hometown city and i just thought well i don't really want to put an album i i thought i'm not going to put an album together just for Sirius xm i right. didn't i'm going to do it like when i'm ready and it's the right thing so instead i just like recorded like some tracks at some like really good basement shows right and that's what i where i found like producing my own show is good in a way because then i kind of marketed it to my friends like hey this is for Sirius xm it was like a really tight set i had like five different tracks that i cut from it and um people were like extra even though they've heard some of my jokes before they were like extra like good crowd you know so i could i feel like that's one benefit of producing your own show because you can kind of set it up you know
0: and that's what i told my friends who came like i have so many good friends obviously not only from new york but started doing stand-up there and did stand-up there for 10 years and some of the stuff i recorded was stuff that I was putting to bed, you know, yeah. my friends had heard some version of for a long time. And I was like, I know you, some of you have heard some mm-hmm. of these laugh because it's the last time you're going to hear. Them. Yeah. Like, I promise this is like the the greatest hits. This is the end. Like, yeah. we won't be doing these in encores. We won't be doing these in best of sets ever. Like, th- it's it. These were gone forever.
1: Did you do your soup joke? That's, I did do. Soup. That's my favorite yeah. joke yeah. of yours. Yeah. I really like soup.
0: Yeah. And soup was like. At least at the time, it wasn't like beaten to death. So mm-hmm. I'll still do like I did soup when I was on tour because everywhere's got a raw stress for less, which is yes. in, the, in the joke yeah, and uh, that always goes well. Um, so soup hasn't been put to bed entirely.
1: I think it's I think it's a timeless joke in my opinion. Like I mean, over time it'll evolve. But do you think that it it's it like is a joke that you would want to put to bed because you've just done it so much personally, or just because you think like times have changed? Yeah,
0: no, just. putting in putting it to bed because i've done it personally yeah i get so sick of my jokes Mm. and it happens really fast like it's not an it's not an amount of time it's literally how many times i do it yeah like uh i'm working on a set for something right now and so i've been doing the same five to ten minutes over and over and over and over and i'm like i can't wait (laughs) to stop doing these jokes yeah i and and some of them are brand new jokes some of them are jokes that i wrote you know Two months ago, but I've been taking them from new jokes to... Finish jokes in two months and I'm like I just want them to be done yeah and on a set that's recorded and put you know sent to the people that need to see it and then do it on tv or wherever it ha- whatever happens yeah and then just never do them again
1: yeah I I can it's interesting I like to like hear different people's like creative process because everybody is different and then if you like listen to some of the greats like a Jerry Seinfeld always does the same like he'll never like he said before like if it works like I don't Understand these like new age comics that have to come up with new material all the time, and then a uh, Jay Leno says something different. Like, actually, I tr- I try I not not that I try to be anything that I'm not, but I I like get, pick something up from all these people, and I always think the same thing like i hate my jokes and then i don't know if they're funny anymore and then sometimes i actually think they're not funny and they used to be so great because i probably hate them and i'm just not delivering them and even though i'm really trying to yeah. deliver them it's just like i'm reading the lines yeah absolutely. do you know what i mean yeah
0: even when i i find even when you find like it, it's a tipping point. You you are trying to find the right way to say it. like, And there's little things that you can do. And even some of the jokes that I'm kind of like, I'm over it. I'm still finding a way to Adapt. take it to a new thing. And then you get to that and you're like, it's lit- it literally can't. I can't make it better. Maybe somebody else could. But this is as good. As- and then I've got like five of them in me. Yeah. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm sick of doing it. Because now you're doing it the same way over and over and over. And then it's like... I just like finding. I like when a joke is not new, where I'm discovering it on stage, but I know the the beats of it, and I'm playing with how to get from one to the other, and mm-hmm. filling in different words, and and playing with the crowd, and when when like when the joke's still taping, taking shape. I, I'm excited about it. Yeah. And then when it's like finally done, I'm like, cool. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, it's as good as I thought it was gonna be. Now I don't ever want to do it again. Yeah. You know.
1: No, that I think that's like a very like typical thing, and it's interesting to hear. And it's 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 like a lot more raw when it's taking shape, and it's not as clean. Yeah. But you like that's what you like better, right? So do you ever like retire something and then like bring it, and then like a year goes by, and then you like bring it back or something? Yeah.
0: I've had I've had jokes that I retired and brought back just because I was like, you know what, that that's funny and I haven't done it in a while mm-hmm. and so I don't hate it as much and maybe I can... And, and there I don't write anything down anymore. I used to type everything out and highlight my punchlines and I don't even write out... I write out nothing. I write out a name of a joke that will remind me of it and then I work it all out on stage mm-hmm. for the first time and then through the process. So sometimes what I'll do is now since I've been doing that, I'll go back and I'll look and I'll be like, oh, a year ago. All I'll do is I'll write on my in my notes on my iPhone just like beats, like, you know, like names of bits. Mm-hmm. And I save them all with the date and I'll go back and look at it. I'm like, oh, I did that. And I'll be like, I don't really even remember how that goes. Like, I know the gist of it, but like, let's do it tonight and then I'll find something new and I'll, or I'll do it again and it'll kind of be like a, you know, a rebirth.
1: Reinvigorated, yeah. But,
0: but also I will... I will retire jokes because they weren't working, or mm-hmm. like I never found the right thing. Yeah, and then I'll be like, "Well, I thought that was a good premise. Yeah, it probably still is good." And I'll—I've had a few jokes recently that came back that I didn't think were ever going to work, and I was like, "Let's give it another shot," and now they do, and that's exciting and fun.
1: That is fun. I um, I think like when you can like repurpose jokes, or if you have a premise and you know it works. But it's not working and you can't get it to work. But you have like one good joke in there about that premise, like taking that out and then putting it into something completely different, you know, like a good line or something. That's what I've started doing in the last like six months. And I because I've like allowed myself more flexibility. So I think I can understand that. And I feel like, okay. The joke wasn't originally for this bit, but it's like a good joke. And yeah. it actually makes sense if I like just like reshape it a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like one of my newest my newest closers is one of the first jokes I ever wrote and it was about like nothing. And it and I had no idea where to put it, but it was literally like I had this joke, no. Note- book from forever ago and it was just a word spelled backwards and i was like ah that's funny and then i finally like i haven't like fully figured it out but i've like figured it out in a way where like five years later i'm figuring out like how to work it in and it's like great you know but i it has not. i have no idea like why i wrote it you know so sometimes it's like going back like i have all my like old comedy notebooks in here and some of them make no sense at all some of them say like batman boom in a batman voice yeah and i'm like what the hell does that mean i have
0: have a bit i'm working out now like i have a joke that's about um like how technology is supposed to make things easier but it makes things harder Mm -hmm. and then i have the like the flip side which is when i started doing comedy i used to write things on post-its Mm. and uh, of course all of your best ideas come to you when you're drinking or smoking a little pot or whatever it's mm-hmm. late at night and i remember one time i was like in a good zone of writing mm-hmm. and i woke up and i just had like i was literally like hung over mostly naked <laughs> post-it notes <laughs> everywhere and like some of them had like good bits on them and then one of them just said dolphins and i'm like the football team the animal like what the fuck is this joke and i'm like now the good thing is you know technology might confuse our lives a little bit but i can speak into my phone at night yeah. and say dolphin, and explain myself and not just wake up to a post-it
1: that's so funny so is that your actual bit talking about how you wrote dolphins. Yeah. So you're actually figuring out a way to use dolphins. Yeah, so that's exactly. kind of good. You yeah. know, it probably wasn't the Miami dolphins. It right. could have been And The
0: joke is in what could this joke have been? Yes. Imagine.
1: Oh my, like that's actually really good. I like that. And I, I, um, cause I'll write things down when I'm like drunk and, it's like the best idea ever. And then it I spell it wrong or because it auto spells itself. Right. And then it's like there it is, it. And then I don't know what I'm trying to tell myself, you yeah. know. But I think I think like uh, the voice, the voice memo is good. But then also um, I do find because I'm like a new age pothead. This is actually a new bit that I've been working on because like I'm like adulting, but I'm a I'm a now a pothead. I never was before. Yeah. I, and I, I don't. I I just think weed is like so much better. I don't know what it is, but I, so I like will come up with these like amazing thoughts, but then like half the time I won't write them down and I'm like, oh, I'll remember it tomorrow. It looks like everything works in the universe of my brain. And then the next day I'm like, I was so high. That doesn't make any sense. Or I just didn't write it down. But I think one out of ten is like a, like a gold nugget. You know what yeah. I mean? Nine of it makes none right. no <laughs> right. sense whatsoever. Or I like rewrite a show that's already on TV or something because yeah, yeah. I'm watching it. You know, something stupid. <laughs> like a show about
0: nothing. Yeah. Like,
1: uh, okay. <laughs> or like a bulldog. Like, a, let's do a bulldog show or yeah. something and it's just like Cali breathing. I don't know. Usually if I, um, like for anybody, and, and my parents are starting to get concerned because um, they're on Instagram now, that watches like my Insta stories, like they know I'm smoking weed. If I'm doing music videos, and usually in black and white with my dog. That's when they're like, "What are you doing with your life?" That's, that's <laughs> how you know you're fucking yeah. that's, that's how I've been. Yes, that's how you know because I'm doing like Celine Dion, like the Titanic song with my dog, and then I'm like embarrassed but i'll never delete them just because you know
0: yeah you never know 24 hours who cares yeah whatever
1: yeah but then i'm like oh i'll just be like that weird comedian but i'm that's sort of what i'm like working into as like you know you get more comfortable with things but i actually have dreams about physical comedy i don't know like things come to me in dreams also Mm -hmm. where like i'll have a dream that i do something on stage that i haven't done yet because i'm trying to get a lot more comfortable with like the physicality of me and I think it's always like an ongoing thing you know um, like how far can I take it like what works and I'll have I don't know do you ever like dreams about like comedy and then no, like
0: not really no? I, I mean I have the I I'm have so much like, better in my dreams yeah I have the <laughs> stand up like I have the typical like like my all of my dreams like and and this is the same thing this it used to happen when i was growing up i was like way into sports and Mm. obviously like all i cared about was sports and and playing sports and now it's become comedy and i have the same version of this dream that i had as a kid with sports now with comedy where it's i'm not bombing it's just like something Is going wrong that's even either keeping me from performing or keeping me from the stage like i have to go on but like my shoelace won't tie and like my shoelace (laughs) keeps breaking as i tie it or like i you know my pants don't fit and then like they're like (laughs) calling me to stage but i can't get my pants on and i'm like and that would always be the thing with like growing up i would be thinking about like a basketball game i had Mm -hmm. coming up and like but i can't find my one shoe and it's like what the fuck is this about and uh interesting so all of my comedy dreams involve like m- eminent needing to be on stage but something that's stopping me it's from holding it. you back yeah
1: that's very interesting have you ever like looked deeper into that like no, what is that i asked
0: i had a friend who's like you know one of those like into dream like dream what and it was like dream oh people. it's about you know it's like a fear of failure or fear of what and i'm like yeah no shit
1: yeah well yeah but how do you like Get over it or yeah. interpret it. I so think so. Now it's... I only
0: wear slip on shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and...
1: Me too. Actually, yeah. I just bought like five Converse that are slip on. But you know that's interesting that you say that because I think like what you're saying, and I think a lot of people can identify with this, is that your fears or whatever it is that holds you back, like in life in general, just translate throughout your life in different like formats, and yeah. it's like what is important at the time, you know. Like I used to have one. I used to have one. With in the shower where i couldn't see i used to go blind all the time with uh shampoo bottles like i like the shampoo would go in my eyes and i was like oh i can't see or i'm paralyzed or i'm here but i'm literally paralyzed and i still have those dreams where i jerk awake because i actually think i'm paralyzed and it's like the worst feeling for like th- you know, and it's, so it's kind of a similar it's just thing
0: It's laying on you and holding yeah. your body from moving <laughs> it's
1: cali just starfishing all over me <laughs> yeah. all 55 pounds of woman this one <laughs> but like but i know what you're talking about it's like it just translates in it translates into something different over time no matter like what you're doing in your life and i don't know who i was talking to recently i was having this discussion just about like maybe you have those dreams less when because like like life is so hard you know like i'm not like saying anything revolutionary here but like it's so hard as it's hard enough as it is to like to, like, get, be in this industry, like, and do all the things that we're doing. But then, like, to just, like, wake up and, like, believe in yourself every day. Like, I'm going to be at the height of uh, the pinnacle of all the things that I want. But actually, like, believing it. But when you, like, those days that you have, like, that light beam where it happens, I feel like those are the days you don't have
0: those dreams. Yeah.
1: Cause it ha- and it's, like, I think the goal... Oh, I'm
0: long past believing in myself. <laughs> you're, <laughs> yeah, you're Yeah, you're a little on
1: the cynical end. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But- I've been doing comedy. I, it'll be... It'll be 18 years at the end of the month.
1: And you're not like that old. No,
0: I started when I was 20. Mm -hmm. I I just turned 20. So I just turned 38. And happy uh, birthday. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I mean, not, you know, I've not obviously been doing stand up full time. Like I was still in college when I started. And then when I got out of school, I worked in production for a long time. And it was, you know bringer shows and open mics yeah. and bar shows and stuff like that and i even took off a couple of years where i was only doing uh my own show i did like a variety show in brooklyn for years oh the, that's awesome the original alt comedy show uh, oh. if you ask me um <laughs> and uh did that for literally for i think it was two and a half years where uh it was my show but i had a couple of friends who worked on it with me and we would i would write a, a new like it was like a talk show slash variety show. i'd write a monologue a new of topical stuff every week. We we do a live sketch. Mm-hmm. We do a taped sketch. Um, so the second the show ended, we'd go back to my place, party, get drunk. Every, everybody would have an after party, and as people thinned out, kind of the the creative crew, we'd start writing the next show. And I did that for two and a half years, and then came back into stand up, and then ma- moved to L.A. So. Yeah, I I haven't been, like, plugging away at it necessarily for 18 years, but in some form. Well,
1: in some format, yeah. yeah. Like, I can say I've been in comedy longer than I've been in stand-up, because I have, you know, so I can understand that. What was your alt-comedy show called? It
0: was called Miscellaneous.
1: Miscellaneous? Yep. I feel like there is there a show called Miscellaneous now. I
0: don't know. I don't know. I, I hope not because maybe that was not. My show.
1: So can you like find it on like YouTube or something?
0: No, I think there are some bits uh, that we have that are on YouTube. Like probably my biggest viral video, if mm-hmm. you will, is um, a sketch called Porn Foley Artist, <laughs> which came out. Uh, it, it was legitimately like one of the original like YouTube viral videos. We put it on YouTube wow. and it was like, oh, what is YouTube? And it was like, oh, it's a place where you can put up your own videos. And then Gawker picked it up and we got 600,000 views in like a couple of days. And it was on Best Week Ever. Wow. And, uh, it's, it's great. I still think it's my best work. Um, it was something that we actually shot for like a New York television film festival um New York TV festival I should say mm-hmm. but it got repurposed for miscellaneous and uh yeah a couple of my a couple of the film sketches that we did are on YouTube but um some of the live sketches we did are my favorite things I've ever done too we did and roasts have obviously come back and come mm-hmm. back huge oh yeah but um at the time this is prior to this is prior to even the Comedy Central roasts okay. um we roasted this is like you know, based on like Friars Club and shit. Yeah, we roasted a ten year old. Oh my and god! And <laughs> I hired a kid. I hired a Mexican kid oh off of god. Craigslist. Oh my god! And paid his mom fifty dollars. And he had been on the Chappelle show as Ilian Gonzalez. And, oh my god! Um, and we roasted him and and like did just horrible, dirty jokes about him, like jerking off in class and having AIDS. And oh my whatever. god! And I remember some people got the the bit, and some people. I had a girl that I went to high school with come up to me after and was like, this is the most offensive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and you should be ashamed. And where's that kid's parents? And I was like, his mom's over there. Like she thought it was hilarious. She fucking
1: put her son on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And, um, it, it was, but it was so funny. Like the faces of people, like the, it was like nervous laughter and real life. La- like the variety of people, like shock appalled, like hilarious, like whatever. It was like my favorite thing to do. And obviously, you know, we had a dais of people. So six different comedians went up and roasted the kid and and being able to sit there and watch him get roasted and watch the crowd. Like, when you weren't the one doing it watching the crowd watch this it was the be- like one of my favorite things ever. Oh
1: my god, is that on YouTube?
0: That's not on YouTube.
1: Oh, is, do you think you could do that now? Is it like something When would when did you do this?
0: that, that was probably 2005. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: So, do you think so there, you can't find that footage anywhere That's nowhere
0: I, I believe we did tape it But I have no idea where the footage yeah. is Yeah
1: Well I, I feel like Just because of like The sensitivity of people now Like I wonder how that would like fly If it was it was all
0: Mexican jokes and Yeah like, um, That I that he, <laughs> The premise was He was my little brother uh-huh. Like you know Like the big brother Little brother program mm-hmm. Yeah Which yeah, is yeah. funny Because I have a 10 year old Mexican little brother now
1: uh, In like uh, li- uh, What's it called Um, I can't remember right now Big brother Big sister Yeah, yeah exactly yeah.
0: Um, And the premise was he was my little brother. And he if he got A's in school, he wanted to be a part of comedy and like part of my comedy career. And I was like, well, what's a better way to introduce somebody to comedy than to roast them like an old school Friars Club roast? And then I brought him up and told the story about how I. I like I had to go to visit his principal because he jerked off on a <laughs> on a kid, and then I had lines for him, and he would like yell out from his seat. He was like, "It's not jerking off if it's on somebody." And oh my god, did he, he
1: do a good job?
0: Yeah, and then we I wrote him because I knew who the other comedians were going to be too. Uh-huh. So I wrote him like retorts to their jokes. Uh, at, so he got well, like as in a in a proper roast. Right, he got to go up and. Give his thing at the end, and I re- and he was sh- just shredding the other comics really but like reading it word for that word. That sounds awesome, yeah. actually. It was so fun,
1: that sounds so awesome. And honestly, like Friar's Club is like the where it all started, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah, now roasting is huge, but I feel like I feel like uh, p pe- when you can actually. get laughs and then you can also have people tell you that that is the most offensive thing they've ever seen then you have done your job yeah in my opinion you know what i mean because it's like you're gonna offend people comedy is subjective but it toes the line of like what is right and what is wrong yeah and like as comedians like you get to decide sort of you yeah. know what I mean like you don't get to go like all Kramer on people and racist and stuff of course that's terrible but you if you toe that line then you that's the best comedy yeah it and really I remember is
0: somebody being like this is like you should like you should be ashamed their <laughs> parents his parents would be furious I like I was like his mom's over here like I want you to be here like it was so was fun. his mom laughing at the jokes yeah she well and she was like they were Mexican he was you know they're
1: not anymore they just were they, yeah well they, yeah at the, at the time they were Mexican
0: but she was like, she didn't. She was her she, Spanish was definitely her first language, yeah. So I don't think she got a lot of the jokes, but I remember her replying and sending me his resume and his reel and stuff like that. Oh my god, and I was like. We're, there's gonna be some bad words and she's like he worked on Chappelle's show and i'm like no this is like we're gonna do anal jokes yeah. we're gonna do so you told girl. her yeah and she's like it's cool like as long as we can have a copy of it and like he could put it on his reel and whatever and and he killed it he was awesome
1: and that's fucking parenting 101 right yeah. there you know yeah. but listen i i i mean it, i want you do you wonder what that kid's doing now he's probably <laughs>
0: he's got to be, like... Hopefully... He was probably 10 years old at the time, so he's, like, in his early 20s. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like either trying to forget this one uh, like detrimental like night of his life or maybe he it made him stronger and now he's like doing cool shit. Yeah, he's
0: probably like in a fucking movie. You know? what, if he call- what if he called
1: <laughs> yeah, Dunkirk? What if he calls you back and is like yeah. Joe Prano helped me like live my life. Yeah, that could yeah, be cool or yeah. it could go the other way. Either way, it you took a risk. But yeah. that's fun. That's really funny. I am. Um, I, I think that Even nowadays, like with comedy, people are like so offended by everything. Now's like the time where I feel like this is the probably the one profession that where it's safe to just fucking go for it, cause like yeah. what do you have to lose, you know? You but you might the jokes might not work, but it doesn't matter, you know. I mean, if they're as long as the jokes are funny, like Bill Burr, for example, he's one of my favorite comedians. Like he he does it so eloquently in a not like and you know what I mean in a, in a way that's not eloquent, but like he gets away with it. He's a redheaded white guy yeah, and he can be racist and he and he's not racist but he can tell jokes in a way he can be anti-feminist yeah but he does it and it works and when it works who the fuck cares you know
0: i was actually just talking about this with somebody because i think it was eddie when we were on tour is uh burr and louis get away with it and and they're not classically Good-looking guys. No. They're both gingers. Yep. I was like, I wonder if, you know, Chris or whatever could do that stuff and get away yeah. with it. Like, he's well-liked. He... But he you might know, be, like,
1: too attractive. But he's, like,
0: too good-looking. Like, yeah. I think the fact that... And, th- and that's why people are pieces of shit, honestly. And that's why I hate <laughs> comedy audiences and modern PC, everything, is, like, they let Louis get... Like, Louis says shit that if other comedians said it they would like if Daniel Tosh said some of the stuff Louie said people would be boycotting it
1: yeah and I Louis being
0: like kind of fat and not like very attractive right. and a ginger and bald and like whatever it's Right, like he gets away with it right and Bill is obviously you know he was a good looking guy when he was younger at least he was like he's you know, not he's a not He's
1: not as like schlubby right. as like but he's, yeah
0: but he's real ginger you know he's real fucking pale yeah and he's like, i think that helps these guys get away with it it
1: might you know it might i i think with bill burr like it's more of like his like take no prisoners attitude where he's like you're gonna fucking like this and that's it and that's what but like i can see that with a louis ck i i prefer a bill burr over a louis ck and i actually had uh michael casa on the on the podcast not that long ago and he does that album comedy for attractive people and we that's what we talked about was you know is it like because he, he's like you know I had to go for that because he's like that would be the same thing as like a Chris D'Elia. like he's known for being more of like an attractive comedian and does that work against him in certain right. formats and for what he kind of said was it doesn't in because of his style of comedy yeah Because there's also areas where attractive people get away with more. But I I don't know because I never like to like take the standpoint of like, what am I? I mean, I know I'm not like a schlubby person, but I do think that there's more limited places that I can go with things because I'm not like the awkward person who can like identify with the awkward people, Yeah, yeah. you know. And one thing Lachlan always told me is people are going to prejudge you before you ever get on the stage. so like know what they're going to prejudge you on and use it against him. And I right. think that's like what Acosta did, Right. you know, but like, you're right in the way we're like, Chris, Alia can't tell, can't toe the line of like those jokes as well. People are going to fucking hate him, right. you know, but Bill Burr can do it so great, you yeah. know? Um, so one question i sort of like to ask everybody that i have on the podcast especially like those that are comedians and former athletes is you know you mentioned you were really into sports growing up how do you think that like or do you think that sports and being an athlete has like prepared you to like be a comedian
0: um i don't think it's prepared me very well at all i think the one thing that i really struggle with in comedy is unlike sports the best doesn't necessarily reap all the rewards Mm. like when i was growing up uh you know baseball basketball football i swam it's like you and, and obviously there's some politics in sports, too, right. you know, the, especially when you're a kid, you know, the coach's son that gets to pitch and play shortstop and right. all that stuff. But as you age toward, you know, more serious sports, the best players get to play the best, uh, you know, swimmer gets the lane four, you know, right. and, and like and, and that, that's actually one thing I really loved about, you know, swimming a lot as a kid is like even more so than team sports there are, there was zero politics it was best time like yeah it's it's a clock it was just
1: completely based on yeah. results
0: and in comedy unfortunately like i get really frustrated with that sometimes you go up you crush like i wish there was a i wish there was a laughs per minute you know meter or a <laughs> decibel meter or like because sometimes you go and you're like why does this? Why is this person getting breaks? They don't, yeah. they didn't, they didn't make people laugh in bar shows. They didn't make people laugh in bringer shows. They didn't make people laugh at whatever. They don't make people laugh at Nerdist, but that, they're not supposed to make people laugh there apparently. And yeah. now they're on, you know, Conan or at midnight or whatever. And you're like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, and, and to me, unfortunately, um, w- the difference between. Uh, sports and comedy is uh, even more so today. In sports, the 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 sort of um, gatekeepers now more and more athletes. Like when we were younger, um, not every manager of a baseball team was a former player. Right? You know, not every GM, especially now. Like you look at the NBA and baseball, like these guys are all former players that Absolutely. are in char- that are presidents of teams that right. are GMs of teams um, I wish more of the people that were in charge of comedy were comedians mm-hmm. like okay oh you yeah know, like um, think about the people who worked for so long and just don't have uh, you know they just don't have the drive to work anymore fine let them run a club like yeah. be like be the guy who decides who gets in because those people I think would do a lot more than you know, these these people who like ancillary comedy beings all the time. Yeah. And now they get to decide who gets booked at comedy clubs or who gets to be seen on, you know, Leno or Fallon or Conan right. or are are any of those guys comedians, you know? Yeah. At least Eddie Brill back in the day who used to book Letterman. He was a comedian. He was the guy who did he yeah. did, uh, you know, he did warm up.
1: Right, right. And
0: and that's why, you know, I think the the quality of those people was a lot you saw the quality of talent and it was a lot better. Yeah. And now you're like, how did this person get on TV? How do you think wh- why do you think that's changed or do you have a
1: perspective on it?
0: Um, I think there's I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are at play here, but certainly this sort of, I think it's, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's affirmative action because it's not a race thing, but it's, but it's like, we need diversity in who's in charge of this stuff. And, you know, you still look at uh, late night, every, there is no females or minorities who are on, you know, CBS, like, obviously you've got the Daily Show, but you know cbs abc nbc it's white dudes right and look i'm a white dude so i'm not exactly like saying oh that's not okay right but i'm sure the um writers rooms are white dudes too mm-hmm. and i'm sure that they've got to find diversity somewhere so oh the comedy booker should be uh Uh, lesbian minority (laughs) and it's like well what does she know about comedy Uh, yeah
1: yeah well no that makes sense and i also think that like you know for like females in comedy like we've never like no female has ever hosted a tonight show or never been a host a late show and so i always give like a lot of Props to like a Chelsea Handler for at least getting paid as much as those people do and going to like a Netflix, right? Yeah. But then she'll always get a lot right. of flack because it's like, well, do you know what she had to do to get there? And I'm like, you know, may well fuck it, I don't care. I would, I, maybe I would do the same exact thing because she's at least like making headway for all of us, and I don't think it's just for women, you know. But it's because she should be a late night Uh-oh. host. She she hosted Chelsea lately. How Uh-oh. successful was that? And how how much did it help other comedians that are now on those shows? come up you know like we need more shows like those shows
0: Callie does not like our late night talk show talk
1: no no Callie, um, so Callie the
0: she was a big Pat Sajak show fan. <laughs> so, can we get can Pat Sajak get some credit?
1: Yeah, he, she's she, she she likes his complacency. Um, so she so Callie has a thing with uh, my neighbors because my front yard is my backyard, and my dog is a little bit of a stalker. So she likes to like uh, they've actually put a bush in front. I don't know if you can see this in front of my window. Yep. So Callie stops stalking them because she'll just get up there and hide. Behind, like in front of the curtains, and just stare at my neighbors. Like, and I'm like, sorry guys. I mean, honestly, if it were me, I think that's cute. Right. Like, if a bulldog was just staring at me all day, I, I would think that's adorable. Yeah. But I, I don't know if they feel the same way.
0: Well, I'm thinking the bush says no. They do not. No,
1: no. And uh so
0: like, now we've put up a wall.
1: Yeah, but see, here's here's why I, I don't mind, because their, well, as I mentioned, their front yard, their backyard is my front yard. This is all that's separating us. Well. It's hot in West LA, and my windows are always open. And these people get up very early, and their fucking dog barks. At, did it this morning at six forty-five in the morning? Just came out and barked, and I'm like, well, you know, I've asked you to stop yeah. doing that so I can sleep because
0: so you have dog you have dog wars going. We on have here.
1: dog wars, and so since they still let like their dog go go run its mouth in the morning. Callie if, Callie, if my dog wants to stalk him, that's fine. That's how that's how we operate over here. Yeah. You know, S- seems fair. Yeah, and um, and otherwise we don't. Actually, I don't get along with um, with either of. I have five neighbors, and I don't get along with two of them. But uh, the the front, the lady in the front is actually the best one. She's an old old lady who's probably lived in that property f- uh, for. 20 years and it's probably like because we have rent control here so it's probably like so cheap they're like just I know, unfortunately no offense lady like waiting for her to die she is the meanest lady and she has a dog that is like Cujo he's a she is a service dog that dog is gonna kill one of us one of these days that lady has come out and screamed at me for like letting the Cali pee out there and she's called me like a fucking asshole and everything and I'm like you know what we're Callie and I were like the best thing that ever happened to this neighborhood, so, <laughs> so that's my explanation. Kay. Yeah, I get a little fired up when I talk about my neighbors, yeah, so yeah. I'm like, let her bark, even if it ruins the podcast. No, we won't let her bark. We'll pause it. She, I think she's okay now. Anyway, on back to deeper issues. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's my thing. I I I got into comedy. My, my birth into comedy was the was literally the day that I realized I was not going to be a big league ball player. Really? I was 16 or 17 and I was, you know, I was playing high school baseball and I, I was always great ball player growing up, but you know, I just, I actually think I gave up on the dream a little bit early cause I went through a massive growth spurt. Uh, I grew 10 inches in a summer in high school Wow! and, I really am, like, the world's worst late bloomer. Like, I kept <laughs> going into college. I really filled out. I was 100, and, I think I was 135 pounds. Six to 135 when I went to college. What?
1: That's not, how is that even possible? Yeah. so I was, like, the skinniest kid Did you look anorexic? Ever. Yeah,
0: totally. You could see my heartbeat my when we played God, basketball with our That's not much
1: on. more than I weigh. Yeah.
0: So, I think if I had, like, went, pressed into college a little bit, and, like, because I put on 35 pounds my first semester in college just to be like a normal person where'd you go to college lehigh
1: okay yeah oh yeah and pa yeah yes yes
0: and uh (sighs) i knew this so i think if i had like held on a little longer until i had started like filling out a little more because Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe things would have been different but when i was in high school i was like look i'm good but i'm not like get drafted good right and i need a backup plan Mm -hmm. and i always loved watching late night tv i'm I'm in this business because of Letterman. I'm the mm. world's biggest David Letterman, Letterman fan. I love yeah. And I was watching Letterman, and I was, like, kind of... Maybe it was a little, like, ahead of my time. I was already, like, thinking about my career and, like, what I wanted to do. And your
1: plan B, yeah. too. <laughs> and I was,
0: like, I'm, like... But it would really... I, my whole life, I never thought I would be anything but a ball player. Like, I actually really? believed it. And then I was, like, okay, you're probably not, like... You know, your best friend's probably going to get drafted. You're not going to get drafted. Right. Like, what What next? And uh, that night, Letterman, it's a pretty famous episode, but he had Julie Roberts on the show. Mm-hmm. And she, like, kind of forced him to kiss her. And I was like, he's not even a good-looking dude. And he just kissed Julie Roberts by, like, being funny. And I was like... <laughs> I want to be David Letterman. Yeah. Like, and that was my backup plan. Then I went to school for broadcasting and and journalism and uh, did TV and radio. And was like, I'm going to get into comedy and I'm going to get into broadcasting and I'm going to be that guy.
1: Broadcast journalism. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I um, I almost was a broadcast journalist major and then I, I switched to business because I was too scared that it was not there was like a, not a, an, uh, enough of a high success rate if like you weren't going to be like Katie Couric or right. something like that. But that's what I always wanted to be. So I like tried to be that in other ways. I worked for like Tiger Paw Productions when I went to Clemson okay. and stuff. But I always wanted to be that major. And that's that was actually like if I went back and could do it again, I would have done that. Although having a business degree is important. you yeah. know. I, I'm glad that I did that. But, um, but that to me was like the coolest major of all time, you know? So I apparently yeah. thought so as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I I, I really, everything, I just was like, it, it, it was almost as unrealistic as my baseball dreams. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to be Letterman. And yeah. then so I was like, oh, I'll do TV and radio. And uh, obviously I like loved Howard Stern growing up. I yeah. loved Letterman. And Letterman worked in radio and then was like a weatherman and then was like a morning show guy. And I didn't I was know like, he was
1: a weatherman. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And so... I was like, I'm just going to do, I, I was I had a radio show every semester in college and was the program director of the radio station, worked at the TV station. And then when I was a junior, I was like, I read a bio of Letterman. Uh, that was Bill Emmys, like the, the, the first like Letterman biography and found out that he moved from Indiana where he was working in TV out here and started performing at the comedy store. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I'm going to try comedy. And when did comedy at the comic strip in New York? And then that was it. Like I was like comedy and broadcasting. I guess I'm going to be letterman. Yeah. And here we are 20 years later, 18 years later.
1: Well, two things I'll say is ignorance is bliss because it got you into what you're doing. You know, the less, you know, and the more stupid you are, the more naive you are, the more you're going to go for it. So that's kind of a good thing says Mark Twain. And then also, um, they also say it takes a lifetime or it can take a lifetime to become an overnight success, right. You know? So it's like i it's hard. and i and I think sticking with it is hard. But it's like, be, but the fact that you're still doing it and you're doing something that you love in some capacity, like even talking about like the jokes, like the process of jokes that you love, like you're still doing it. And so it's like, that's what it takes though. It's so hard, yeah. you know? And other people get breaks but and it sucks, but it's so fucking hard. And you hear people talk about it all the time. Like you're in the grind for however long, some people longer than others. And I don't, I, at the end of the day, it's like everybody... Gets their break If they never give up I I yeah. think that Call me naive I don't know like... Well
0: I've gone You know like I said I've been doing this 18 years mm-hmm. And it's and I say this And I mean it I never wanted To be a stand-up comic I don't want to be A stand-up mm-hmm. comic I just happen to be Like better at stand-up comedy Than I was at You know working in production And working in a newsroom And working on I mean I thought I was pretty good at radio And I think I'm pretty good At podcasting and, Yeah um, No
1: you're great at podcasting
0: But I I never wanted to be a stand-up comic and I was just like this is what you you have to be in stand-up comedy if you want to do that that kind of thing um you don't have to be in stand-up comedy to be an actor you don't have to be in stand-up comedy to get on a sitcom nope. but if you you know to be and obviously you got Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon who are guys a lot of guys on TV now weren't necessarily like Sketch. proper stand-up yeah. guys but to do something like that you know nothing helps you more in stand up, so I've stuck it out. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I've gone through the roller coaster of being, you know, nineteen and, and having people at some of the best comedy clubs in New York be like, Oh my God, you're the best. Oh like I you know, we want to book you and all that and being like, Oh, I'm I'm gonna be on Letterman like when I'm twenty three <laughs> and then having that like come crashing in. Like I've had positivity and cynicism I've gone like up and down so many times and you know even just moving to LA was a big part of I was just like I just need a new start I need to be inspired again and I need to whatever but um this is like I guess it's April now or end of March that you know I've been in the business a long time and never got a break you know Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of different things and had made some money and you know lost a lot of money but Mm -hmm. um I uh, was doing a show at the parlor in, in West yeah. Hollywood. And it was like the it turned out to be like the third to last show. And uh, my now manager came up to me after and was like, you're hilarious. And a couple of weeks later, we had gone through the process of a, a dual courtship. And now yeah. she manages me. And I I have seen just in these few months, like doors open. Not because of me, mm-hmm. because of her. yeah, but she, but she is kicking doors in because she believes in my talent. That's awesome. and like, be cynical., I'll tell comedians like, be cynical or performers because you're right. People aren't getting it for the right reasons. They're getting it because somebody is getting it for them. Like, The overnight success of just like super funny and then just gets a TV show, like it just straight up doesn't work like that. Yeah. Like I've been doing the same jokes that she saw for years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And suddenly the right person saw it. And the introductions and the opportunities and the things, they've all been through her. You know, she's, and she'll always be like, no, it's your talent. Like I couldn't, I couldn't show them that clip I couldn't show them that real unless you had done it but I was like yeah but no one would be if it weren't for you they wouldn't be seeing it at because all because
1: she's the gateway yeah. for that and that's really important and I actually met your manager and I know she's like a she's a good one she's a yeah. good one in LA like a lot of people like would want her to be their manager you know and so to have somebody like that representing you is like super important I mean it comes down it, that's that's a big important yeah. part of it and I think your manager is like is like a lot in my opinion just like in my experience like and you could correct me if i'm wrong but like more important than your agent because your agents will come and go but your manager should be somebody that's like there for the long haul and like there for like the duration of your career and like i'm in the process of like courting someone who's also like courting me back but we're like she's not making a commitment to me until i'm like at a, do a couple more things, and I'm in the process of doing those things based on. But she's like loosely like guiding me, and I'm like I'd rather. And people are like, why are you even going through the six months month process with this person? And I'm like because she's who I want to be with me forever. Yeah. Like I want her, this is who I want. Yeah. And that's
0: and, it. And and that's the thing. It's like I I never you know you never, you never had that before. He- you always hear that. You always hear like and you read you know. Seinfeld and George Shapiro or you know all these people that have these managers that they're like oh I couldn't have done it without you and this is like you know they're like you said agents will get you work managers right. will bail you out of right. jail Yeah, and that's why I was like so you'll bail me out of jail and she's like yeah I was like that's a really important one Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, if you want me to keep this like whole like I party yeah. and I'm like the 38 year old who will never <laughs> stop drinking Yeah, act, yeah, yeah. like I'm probably gonna get arrested. Especially in again. New York, if yeah. you're gonna
1: do all these like, okay, I have to drink again. Oh, woe is yeah. me. You know, yeah. your manager better be there. Right. You know, if I'm
0: gonna do like the Kobe shot challenge. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> But you to- know
1: that's important. So that's awesome. It's like it's like, and that took however long for her to come into your life, and she's, pro- and like I know, and like I'm not just saying this. Like I know that like other people have actually mentioned her name. Like this is somebody you want. Yeah. And these people don't take on a ton of people. So if right. she found you. That's a really awesome and, and thing. And that's
0: the thing. It's it's like you know. That's why I'm saying I don't. I don't know how many people. Obviously, we've talked a lot of comedy, but it's like I've, very little sports. Yeah, <laughs> I've gone. I've gone through the roller coaster. It's just I'm, like it wasn't at a showcase. It wasn't at a festival. It wasn't at an industry show. It's just do do you know? You never know who's yeah. watching and where. And like I literally would you know I I'd given up. I was just like I was just like look I'm just gonna fucking do my jokes and hope that the dirty sports podcast keeps growing or the kooks of comedy keep growing yeah. or you know somebody sees me when I'm opening for Lachlan or Eddie or whatever it is yeah I'd completely given up the idea of, of you know oh I'm gonna land a big-time Hollywood manager or a big-time Hollywood agent or I'm not doing I'm not chasing the showcase I'm not like I do some festivals but usually it's kind of ones that people come to me about yeah and want me to be in and You know, this is like this is I I see it. It's like I'm getting opportunities that like now I'm the please allow at the improv. I'm like, who's a like, why please allow that person? (laughs) And now people are like fucking Joe Prino. And I'm like, yeah, man, not me. You know, like I didn't do it. That's fucking
1: awesome, Joe, though. That is everybody wants to be the please allow person. Everybody wants to be. You know what I mean? Because you're not because that's it's hard enough to get in outside of showcases to these places, you know? And, like, honestly, like, the first time I ever saw you do stand-up, you were doing a bit about a fucking bagel. And it was amazing. It was actually at a show I produced for, like, five seconds at the comedy store in the belly room. But it was, like, a ten-minute bit. I don't know how long it was. It was... all about a bagel and yeah, like the hole yeah. in the middle or whatever soup is still my favorite yeah. but that's how the i knew i bagel. that's how i knew i liked yeah. you as a comedian because i'm like if this guy can do a bit about a bagel you know what i mean he's not talking about his life he's yeah. not like going deep he's just talking about a bagel and people are lo- i lost my mind and that's a
0: bit you know comes full circle to what we were talking about before that's a bit that like i did a few times and then i stopped doing it and like it it's i still think it's really funny it's and so good, good. But i don't It doesn't, there's no way to like segue into it or segue out of it. It's just a totally random. I was like, I just want to sell it to like Mitch Hedberg's ghost. And Be like, have this joke. (laughs) Be a ghostwriter or something. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to segue in or a segue out. Yeah.
1: No, actually, that's the first time I ever saw you do stand up was the bagel because. Because that was, I produced that show that you were in. It was called Blast Off Comedy. It was in the belly room. And I produced it with this guy called Jamar John Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my show with him. That's the first show I've ever produced. It was the first time that I was ever allowed to park in the comedy store's parking lot.
0: Yeah, big big one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I basically produced that show for that reason. But that's when I first saw you. And I even remember one of my girlfriends, uh, my friend Tiffany was like yo that guy with the bagel bit because we were both like pissing our pants and he was she was like that guy's gonna go somewhere like that bagel bit he's gotta do that you know yeah, like yeah. and and I don't think I ever said that to you but that's when I first saw you and I are you impressed that I like quoted that back to you? yeah
0: cuz I that's one it's like I forgot about the bagel bit
1: yeah the bagel bit was so good but it was like because you were but you were also like really in the moment with it you like you could tell and there wasn't even that many people in the audience but it was like killing and it was like keeping people alive for an 11 o'clock show on a Wednesday night you know uh, in the fucking belly room and I I'll never forget it and that's why I think like you know that you are—I don't remember what my point was—but that was a really good bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good bit. Don't lose the bagel yeah, bit. Yeah,
0: I got to bring it back. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because the bagel bit's not even a bit. It's it's a real life complaint. Um, it's just a complaint. It's yeah. just that uh, the everything bagel has everything. Like the bit is, I I wish I was there when the guy who came up with the everything bagel was like pitching it to his partner. <laughs> He's like, how about an everything bagel? Like, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, like all the stuff we put on bagels in one bagel. He's like, cool. So like onions? He's like, yeah. And sesame seeds? Yeah. And poppy seeds? Totally. Salt? Yeah. And raisins? No. Fuck raisins. It's like,
1: I remember, why yeah. did they draw the line of
0: raisins? Because I would love an everything raisin bagel.
1: You know, it... it, it where, yeah, I, raisins are too sweet for the everything bagel. It's yeah. too salty. But either way, but then
0: don't call it the everything. Call yeah, it the everything. You're right. call, call it the everything. But raisins bagel. Yeah, or
1: call it like the call it like the what do, what do they say like salty like carbohydrate or like whatever i don't know but yeah it was a good bit and then i I feel like you talked about the hole in the middle i don't remember but it was really good and i feel like that is an if when you have an affinity for stand-up comedy it's interesting to me to hear like when you have an affinity for stand-up comedy but it's not like your favorite thing but you're so good at it like it's almost like it's almost like uh a shame in a way because it's, but, but you're not there yet but you will be one day but it's like an eddie murphy or something and i'm not i'm 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 not comparing you to eddie murphy yeah. but like in a way where he's like the best stand-up comedian ever but that's not really what he wanted so we right. never went back to it and it was like oh was sad and i think so it's like if you don't get that thing and i don't know if you do or you don't like when you're on stage if you don't get that like thing that makes you feel like oh i always have to do this you well, know it's
0: funny because And I talk about this with Lachlan all the time on the Kooks because he is like he wanted to be a stand-up. Yeah, he loves comedy. We'll talk about the Kooks comedy as a podcast I do with him that's about surfing and comedy because those two things actually like have a remarkably a uh, lot Surfing in common. And comedy. yeah um, just like from the physicalness of you know both require standing up to do yeah, it yeah yeah both, oh, yeah and both like you I like you that. Know, every there's there's no mastering it um you know every show is kind of a practice you've kind of got to you've kind of got to do with whatever the crowd or the wave gives you all this stuff and we talk about it all the time and you go he'll, he'll always go like we've talked about this kind of question in a variety of forms like but basically what it comes down to if you could only surf or do comedy for the rest of your life. Like you had to pick one, what you do? And I'd be like, surf. Like not even a question. And he's like, Oh, comedy, like not even a question. Cause he just like he like he is tr- he thinks about jokes all the time and he and and people always go, like, or did you have a bad childhood? Are you like angry? Are you neurotic? And I'm like, I'm just trying to get on fucking television. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And like I've always been kind of a funny guy. Yeah. And so If I can, if I have like a, you know, a good voice and can go up on stage and complain about bagels that like (laughs) I just I just said this to the lady at the bagel shop. And she laughed Why don't I just say it To an audience Like it's yeah. not it, So there's so many There's a million ways To skin a cat You know Yeah 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 But I'm just like Up here complaining about shit Yeah And some people are up there For the craft
1: You're like the quintessential Like New York guy Like you're just Complaining about <laughs> yeah. things I'm you're... just
0: like I'm angry And yeah. like I have an audience That will listen to it
1: And you're like A little bit of a ball buster You know yeah. So I could see that But I, I And like I feel like That that's kind of Your shtick though Like no matter Like what kind Because you're like that's who you seem to be to me as far as like as much as i know you in life like you're like a little cynical and you're like i like people but like to a certain degree yeah, or and but you know not like, most of them you're not like in <laughs> love with everyone yeah. no you mostly aren't you yeah. know and sometimes you feel like talking and sometimes you don't and that's who you are and yeah. so i think that kind of like the way that you just described your like evolution into comedy is basically your personality you know like i
0: don't hang out at the comedy store i don't hang out at the improv i don't you know i've never done that i'm not into i don't like a lot of comics i should say i don't know most comics and then like i don't like some comics and this is you know i keep my comedy circle pretty tight and i just i keep you know I just like to go and drink and have a couple beers and whatever. That's why I like, I love an O'Brien show or I love a basement yeah, show. It's, it's
1: nice. I'm it's here fun. to drink
0: Yeah, and then I'll bre- I'll break up my drinking with 10 minutes of stand up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well,
1: and I feel like that's where I've seen you be like a lot looser where like sometimes you'll be like, but you're, but that's the type of like I, you're a bit introverted, I think, right? Yeah. Like, cause I'm, I'm pretty extroverted. So I like to talk to people all the time and I, I think that there's times where you have been like, here's what I'm doing. And like, you actually helped with this podcast and just like give information about like what you're doing. And then there's other times I've talked to you and you're like, I can tell you like, don't feel like talking, you know? And I, but, and that's just who you are. And I think that's, that's good. And I don't know. And I think everybody's like journey is different. And what I actually have been like trying to ask you this for like the whole podcast, but like how, is dirty sports for you just like something you see as also a potential like career outlet opportunity or is it just like a way for you to have like an outlet with all this other stuff you're dealing with cuz you love sports
0: yeah dirty sports is a really interesting cuz it's so
1: funny like i listen to it a lot yeah
0: dirty sports is like a is has been a really interesting project and process because um, basically how it started was I had the kooks with Lachlan mm-hmm. and I went through the process of, I kind of convinced Lachlan, like, Hey, let's do a podcast. Uh, I was like, you're so funny. You're so talented. Every comedian has a podcast. Why don't you have a podcast? Right. And he's like, why don't you have a fucking podcast? <laughs> and I was like, cause I think comedians talking comedy is, and which we just did for an hour and a half. Literally. I was like, is like, we're, we've like, I think we're all stocked up on comedians talking comedy mm-hmm. with other comedians um but I had this idea for a surfing thing that I wanted to do in New York with a friend of mine, Pizza Staro, who's a surfer mm-hmm. and a comedian as well. And I was like, well, what if we didn't just talk comedy? What if we like did something surfing? And Locke was like, well, that could be cool. And so I went through the whole process of, which I shared with you of like, get a SoundCloud. And then how does it upload to iTunes? Right. And like, how do you get it uh, featured and all that I shit? I still
1: fully don't understand all of it, but like, yeah, no one I does. feel like a lot of, it wasn't just your butt that helped playing with balls. Right. Right. It was also your not your brain. <laughs> but
0: I went through that whole thing and then Andy Ruther came to me and he said, I want to start a sports podcast. Would you do it with me? And I straight up said, Here's the deal. I already have a podcast. So I will co host your podcast and I will show you what you need to do to set it up. Mm-hmm. But I I don't want to be in charge of promoting it. Like I even said, like, I'm not going to tweet about it. I'm not gonna whatever like I have a thing I have to promote and you you can this can sort of be your thing and I'll just be your co-host yeah and I'll bring what I bring to it and obviously Andy is the is the Twitter magician mm-hmm. and he has the thing so it immediately surpassed like kooks and listenership, mm-hmm. and and honestly, like Andy and I's comedy stylings are completely different.
1: Yeah, but our, they work.
0: Right, I think they work. But our approach to our approach to life is totally different. Yeah. Like you know, like stand-up-wise, sports-take-wise, yeah. like, everything. We're t- we couldn't be more different except for the fact that, like, we're two white dudes who are, f- you know, from, like, pretty good families and have brothers, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, Like, but even just, like, East Coast, Midwest, um, and Ohio know, is And Ohio's,
1: like, not that mid- I mean, it's, yeah, yeah whatever, But, yeah. like,
0: we, we like the same sports, um, and that's basically it. Yeah. And, but it works, but... We found a way to make it work. Like, I i mean, there are times where I... And there are still times where I go, like, I can't fucking handle Andy Ruther. <laughs> and, and the same thing I could totally with, see yeah, that. The same thing yeah. goes a lot. Like, sometimes, like, I can't handle Lachlan Patterson. Like, I, like you said, I'm an introvert. I yeah. have my own thing. Like, when I was in college, I had the joke show. And that was it. And I brought yeah. people in to, like, sit in on it and whatever. But, like, I have my way of doing things. And it doesn't always drive with other people. Um, and
1: but, that's okay, yeah. you know?
0: But You know, it hit a nerve with people. Like, people found Dirty Sports through a variety of different things. um, Through Eddie F's podcast, through Kooks, through Andy's Twitter thing. And, like, just the fan base of Dirty Sports is something that, like... I've never seen anything like it. We say they're the juggalos of podcasting.
1: They're Seriously,
0: psychos. Dirt, the you dirt balls. I mean? The dirt balls. I'm yeah. sure you have dirt balls who listen to this because we Andy's actually been
1: on. do. And and also because one time when we were on Rabble, yeah, you tweet or you like said something about that we were going to show our boobs or something. Right. We have we have like three. Extremely faithful dirt ballers that have been waiting to see our boobs, and now there's only one set of them, right. and nobody's still seeing them yet on yeah. the on the podcast. You can't even see boobs on a podcast, but something that you did got us. Well, some you dirt just me
0: your boobs, but they can't see them because of the podcast. Oh right? yeah, sorry
1: guys. Yeah, it's because I'm wearing a Philadelphia She's Philly been shirt. Doing this,
0: this whole podcast, shirt honestly, list, which I appreciate.
1: Honestly, um, Joe loves Philadelphia so much, so that's why yeah. I wore my Phillies t-shirt. And actually, I can't believe you haven't even talked shit on Philadelphia. I I've I, I was like waiting for you to crush me because I know you're such like a hardcore New York fan and you like hate Philadelphia so much. Well, that's you know? the
0: thing. It's like first of all, I've done it. I mean, I bet you if somebody put together a supercut of my hatred of Philadelphia from the <laughs> Dirty Sport, like
1: a terrible haircut.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like you could. I bet you. I've, I bet you through the course of 332 episodes of the Dirty Sport, I bet you there's five hours of Philly hate.
1: So you and I and I know you hate Philly. I, I know this because when you were doing the photo shoot, uh, I didn't know this, actually, when you were doing the photo shoot. And then with your butt, you know, and then we all went out to lunch. Uh, we took you out to lunch. And then my ex co-host at the time had made a comment. Oh, Shannon's a hardcore Philadelphia fan. And I will not ne- I I'm very like socially aware. Yeah. And I will never forget. There was something in your face that changed. Yeah. And it kind of changed forever. But it was like a. It's like your face changed. It wasn't like hatred, but it was just like different because it was like clear that that had an impact on you learning this information. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm a hardcore Philadelphia sports fan. That's where I'm from, like blah, blah, blah. And then I feel like ever since then, you haven't been mean or anything like that. If anything, not that at all. You just. There's, it's like you know something about me, and I feel like when you were on the um, home run derby, you like got to unleash a little, a bit, little bit for a it. minute because yeah. you were like hardcore at me, and I was like, "Whoa, I'm not Andy Ruth." I even yeah, made that yeah, comment. Yeah. I was like, "I'm like, I'm a, I'm not and and." But I liked it in a way because I'm like I want to hear what that is. Yeah, and I think I did
0: a lot of. I think that was just mostly Donovan McNabb choking jokes. Yeah, which, yeah, um, yeah. Which I will never stop doing. It. Yeah. No, listen. But the thing about Philly is because I'll tell you, I didn't.
1: <laughs> Are we gonna end this on a on a in a, in a fist fight? <laughs>
0: no, because I'll tell I'll tell you what it is. I I feel like my hatred of Philly and their sports teams is completely justified. I but. It's amazing because I'm a Giants fan and a Mets fan, so obviously we. I mean, I have two teams that I'm, cra- and I mean, I'm a Knicks fan too. But Knicks and Sixers are sh- such a joke at this point. Obviously, Sixers are on their way back up. Yes, but, but you know, I was
1: gonna ask if you were a Knicks fan, yeah. And,
0: and you know, but we're look, not talking shit
1: about basketball, right? That's we are agreeing on that, right? Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. It's like also the the Sixers, uh, first of all, are on their way back. They up really and, are. And I think they are. But I've also had moments where I was like, the Knicks are on the way back up. The the Sixers are so. Much cursed like the Knicks, where I'm like, w- what's gonna go wrong? Well, you know, w- yeah, I yeah, hope yeah, not. Yeah. I mean, but Simmons and Embiid, they played like 30 games total. Yeah, I know. But here's the thing: I don't hate the Sixers, and I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. Okay, this is um, a, this is
1: a. First of all, they here. hired
0: my boy, Mike D'Antoni, mm-hmm. uh, who was the beginning of the resurgence. Like, Yes. They, it was a lot of talk about this process, yep. but the process didn't really start taking shape until he was on the bench. And I really wanted him – I really wanted them to hand the, the head coaching reins over to him because I love Mike D'Antoni. And, uh, but the other reason is – and he, here's why I hate the other teams and why I don't hate the Sixers. Growing up, I – you know, you, you you hate them because they're your rival. You know, you right. hate, you hate them because they're in your division. I hate right. the Cowboys. I hate the Redskins. Right. I hate the Braves. I hate the you know Expos at the time and yeah, the yeah. fucking you know. But I just hated them the same as those things. You know, mm-hmm. and then you know I went to a, a game in Washington and I watched Giants Redskins. And I I've been to games in Dallas and I've been to games. I have two, like. The the two experiences I have, one at the vet mm-hmm. in Philly and one at the link, the 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 like I mean the fans are just gross. They're okay, just wait, bad. I thought you were
1: talking about why you like the Sixers. I thought we were right, on that so, still. Okay.
0: So <laughs> I, I went to I went to uh Nick's Sixers at mm-hmm. The Spectrum and The Spectrum and whatever the new I think at the time when I went, it was uh, First Union Arena yeah, or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's not drinking. I'm sure uh, it's some bank. Yeah, it's um, citizens. Citizens, citizens bank. Right. Yeah. So,
0: um, same as the baseball stadium. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and, and here's I, this is the thing, and I, I don't, and I'm not trying to cause any sort of racial stereotype or anything, but um, basketball, and especially in Philadelphia and the Sixers, especially with. Dr. J, Moses Malone. I mean, you got you got Will Smith. Like a lot of the people that are famous, Alan Iverson, the fifth favorite, mm-hmm. and, and not just because the NBA is like predominantly yep. black, but it draws in a an African American crowd. Sure, and those and. Black fans of the Sixers, they're there to watch basketball. Yeah. They're not there to throw fucking hot dogs yeah, and yeah, like yeah. dump beers on you and tell you you're a piece of they're shit. They're not white and trash. Like tra- yeah. Yeah. And the people who show up to... It's a
1: different fan the base. The link. Yeah. And the
0: people who show up to the vet for Phillies games, they're not there to even... They're not even there to root their team on. They're there to ruin the fans of opposing teams' time. And it's it, i think it's a, a strong Interesting perspective a strong divide between being because everybody every you know good fan base is protective of their home field of advantage, course you know? i mean you
1: know i am giants you know?
0: fans aren't nice to visiting eagles fans Fuck no. but they're not
1: they're from the state i garbage, live in you know, you know, know? What I mean? like, yeah yeah yeah
0: and 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 i think i think philly needs to hear this too if if you have Philly listeners. We do, like, We have a lot of Philly listeners. L- yeah. Look at your look at the Eagles and the Phillies like home records. Like you guys don't have a home field advantage. You may not get the most fans like opposing fans might not go there and go on there. You have done a great job of protecting your seats Mm -hmm. from being filled with the seats. You know, you go down to San Diego for a game. It's the other team's stadium. Right. That doesn't happen in Philly. That doesn't happen in Oakland. That doesn't happen in, you know, New York, but you don't have a home field advantage. And it's because you're too fucking focused on pouring beers on people and calling and spitting on people. than you are on like cheering on your fucking team.
1: Yeah, no, here's, here's one thing I will tell you. And I've hesitated from telling you this because we've had some conversations before, because we're sitting in the dark now, by the way. Yep. I hope you can still see me. But I I have been a Philadelphia e- Eagles fan since as long as I can remember, right? Veterans Stadium, first my baller story, first sitting on my dad's lap, watching the first running quarterback, in my opinion, Randall Cunningham, play. Sure. And I just... And because of something about that, not anything anybody told me, just me as a person, even as a female, like I grew this like love and affinity for quarterbacks. And I've I've been analyzing them ever since. And I love to analyze quarterbacks. I love to like see if they can read a defense. I love to see what they do in the pocket. I love to see if they run. Like I love to see if they can call an audible. Like I like watch them. I love it. Like I maybe like that's just my thing. And that's why I really – not only love but like understand football and I think it was because of Randall Cunningham and so for me that's like awesome I didn't see any of the bullshit you know that's just like a really cool sports memory my dad almost missed my birth because the Eagles were in the playoffs that year in 81 I guess whatever they lost to the Giants actually a week later but um but like but like football is like a big part of of my life and I think that as I've grown older, I have seen this like bullshit with like Upper Deck stuff and like white trash people, and I don't know where it comes from, because Philly's like not a classless city. But I don't think I represent it. But I do like get pissed when people like talk shit because I'm like, there are like this other whole like thing of fans. Now, here's another story. My my old boss, uh, one of my best friends, um, his daughter was in my. First, I've only had one wedding. My first, my wedding, um, he's from uh, Bethlehem, yep. Pennsylvania. Fucking hates the Eagles. Grew up in Bethlehem. You went to school in Bethlehem.
0: Yep. The Eagles F- used to train at fucking- Lehigh.
1: Fucking despise he's actually a Raiders fan um, because he went to a game once uh, it was a it was in 2005 I believe it was the year that we were in the playoffs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and somebody like had some gear for the box so he took it like he put it on whatever they had upper deck seats but it was at the vet he got beers poured on him beers poured on him, beers poured on him because he was wearing box gear and then somebody peed on him And then that he left and he was like, that was the day I decided that I fucking hate Philadelphia Eagles fans. And I'm like, I agree. Like, that's disgusting. No, no man should ever pee like on another man. I agree with that. I don't like know where those people come from. I don't condone that. But like, I feel like where I grew up was like, not like a super like. Ghetto play. I mean, like definitely. What, like, what's
0: amazing about Philadelphia fans is like they go back out into the world and they act like normal people. Like, Philadelphia isn't like a disgusting place if you go. It's not. I, it, I to th-
1: think it's a beautiful city. I love
0: going to Philly and like going out and drinking. And I like Philly cheesesteaks are my favorite food in the world. Like, I we would go. Bethlehem is basically equidistant to Philadelphia yeah. and New York. We would go. We'd go drink in Philly. We'd go drink in New York. We'd go. You know, if we were looking to go to the city and party, but you get into you know, w- what we learned is like, don't go drinking in Philly in a Mets hat. And, and, oh, don't ever do that. And, like, no. and, like, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah. Y- you, you know, you might, and, and by the way, every fan base has shitty fans. Yeah. Every fan base has the guy who takes it too far. Sure. What I always say is, like, you know, watch out for the one guy in your section if you're at Giant Stadium. That's a fucking asshole. Yeah. And, what I say is when you go to Philly, look for the one guy in your section who's not an asshole because he'll help you, like, get security. Yeah. Because it's just like a reverse. I, the first baseball game I ever went to in Philly, I was in the jail cell under the vet. <gasps> I watched. You were
1: actually in that jail yeah, cell?
0: I watched Mark McGuire break the home run Jesus record. Jesus Christ. From a jail cell I've under actually the
1: vet. never met anybody that's been in that jail cell. Yeah. Wow.
0: And. Congrats. We, <laughs> we got arrested for being Mets fans.
1: What year was that?
0: Two thousand. It was. Wait. It was ninety. Wait
1: a minute! You so, got arrested eight, for being Mets fans. 100%. You didn't do anything wrong.
0: We were there. Was we? W- I went to school in in Lehigh, and the, I had met a, a bunch of guys from Long Island and Westchester, and they were all Mets fans. I found Mets fans at mm-hmm. Lehigh, and I was like, "We should go to a Mets Phillies game." And it was. I think it. it might have even been ninety. It was maybe it was ninety seven. It might have okay. been my first year, because uh, the Mets were terrible. Yeah. The the Phillies were terrible. It was in September because Mark McGuire, this is the home run race. So it was what is that 98. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was that was that was ninety nine, ninety eight. 98, 98. It might, maybe 98. 98. 98. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, so we were like, let's just go because what we what we were thinking is like the Mets are in town. None of us have been to the games in, uh, game in Philly, and why not be in a ballpark if McGuire does it? Because they're probably going to show it on the fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, that's kind of a know. cool
1: place. Yeah.
0: So every at bat of his, they're showing it, and just the whole game. And by the way, the Phillies uh, went, like scored like ten runs in the first or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it, I think I think the Mets lost the game like thirteen to four. Like it was not a game for one second. Right guys throwing beers at us guys are no one's in the stadium two teams that won like a total of like 70 games each that year in september yeah no one gives a shit there's 20 rows between us and the next guys and they're throwing beers they're throwing hot dogs they're throwing whatever we eventually like we're like this is bullshit and we like we like put our hands up and call security yeah and they come down they're like you guys are gonna start a fucking riot and we're like we're by being here and they're like are you fucking talking back to us and we're like yo these guys are throwing beers they're throwing it's fucking like hot east dogs.
1: la like riots or and then something on the other
0: side of the the aisle another security guard comes and they just take like 10 of us and put us in a in the jail cell under the vet i watched mcguire hit the homer on a From small jail. black and white tv in a jail cell under that's that. still kind of a good story though yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know i i want to say i don't condone that and i don't think like my family that is like hardcore eagles fans that like grew up in south philly like row in, in like not like brownstones but what are they called like row homes row houses, whatever yeah. they don't condone that like because we're not trashy people yeah. we're passionate and i think there's a lot of but you us- like to drink definitely and you go
0: to the game i see this is what i see because i i i always say i like i look at these people's eyes and i go you're not a bad person you're just caught up in this like drunken group we're like section 121 there's a guy and then he starts yelling at a fucking guy and then you start yelling and then next thing you know the at whole fucking, fucking set guy. yeah yeah i i remember the first time i ever went to an eagles giants game oh god uh hopefully
1: you didn't wear a giants jersey so
0: my friend i you know and this is i'm not bragging but like i'm good friends with one of the Maras, who owns the Giants. Yeah. So wherever the Giants go, we go see. I've seen i ge- I've seen Giants away games everywhere.
1: Wherever they'll be, I'll be. It's, I'll yeah, be. it's
0: yeah. a thing that we do. So I and, and that's what I always say, like, oh people always go, fuck you, Philly's not like that. I go, man, I've been to Giants games in San Francisco, San Diego, Dallas, Washington. I go everywhere to see yeah. the Giants. Uh my friend said, Look, we're gonna go to the link. Uh you can't wear Giants gear
1: yeah you can't and i'm like
0: okay and so we didn't wear Giants gear. we pull in the parking lot and we're parking the car and these guys come up to us they saw the license plate they're like, <gasps> they're like we're gonna fucking slash your tires while you're inside and i was like oh okay. what was that accent that was by the way philly <laughs> wild, wild, <laughs> and fucking and, and yingling and, and fucking hoogies yeah and they they were like we're gonna slash your tires while we're inside and, and and we're like what, and we like we didn't get to fucking Man. park.
1: I like to think here's what I think. Okay, may, call me call me whatever you want. But like I like to think that some of that has hopefully changed since the vet because the vet was really rough. Since well that the, was at the link, but yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Well, <laughs> the vet was rough though. Yeah. It was Veteran Stadium was a lot rougher. Since the link, it got it like a little bit better except for this example, yeah. but also like, I think that there is this, um, like I have this shirt called, uh, I didn't wear it because I wanted, cause it's actually dirty, but I was going to wear that one. Uh, winning is for the birds. Right. And it's like, but what it really describes is this like passionate debt, like disparity or like this, uh, this like, brokenheartedness of the duality of being a Philadelphia fan, right? And that's what actually that represents. And I think we know that. It's like we are the most passionate, but also the most, like, angry here's what i think too and yeah. i think that's probably like where it comes from but i don't think that like we should be trashy about it and like but like get me drunk and if somebody talks shit to me i will beat someone up yeah. and like i don't i don't even like think that's cool
0: i think you know i think to- <laughs> i think also and you tell me if i'm wrong but i think the eagles are like team number one in yeah theory. definitely I think, i think the sixers again i think sixers is like Black Phillies thing, and that's why like I obviously there's white fans of the Sixers, for sure. But I think, you know, that's their like that's their thing, and and those fans, they are the
1: last ones that are besides the Phillies that have won a championship right. though. But yes, yes, and then
0: the, and then baseball is like a whole other thing, and like that that those those Phillies teams with Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, who's the goddamn devil, um, <laughs> who like those were great teams. Yeah, but I don't think I, I think at their soul the philadelphia fan knows that it's these fucking eagles that just not only can they not win they like they have like epic chokes there's like these super failures and that's why they hang on to like these weird things like the deshaun jackson like walk-off punt return i'm like guys who gives a shit like i'm a giants fan and i took that really hard but i was like you didn't win shit. Like, you didn't even make the playoffs that year.
1: I think, you know, like I have... a
0: ha- fucking miracle. Every <clears throat> time the Giants... The miracle Eagles the Meadowlands? Yeah, every time the Eagles win in New Jersey, it's a miracle. You know what By I mean? By the
1: way... <laughs> well, here's what I want to say. Okay, the Giants-Eagles record... In the last 20 years is you guys against us. Yeah. 85 games to 81. So you're up by four games. Right. Okay. Four games in the postseason. We're tied. Right. Okay. So like Miracle to the Meadowlands, whatever. Yeah. Those are also, something. We to- have
0: two Super Bowls in that those 20 years. Okay.
1: We're just talking about <laughs> the Eagles. A fucking right. typical Giants yeah. fan here. Um, but we're just talking about. And also, by the way, both of, both of our playoff postseason wins have been actually, like, more relevant because it's, like, 07 and 09 years was, like, in 1981 and, like, 2001. But, like, either way, I'm talking about against each other. Right, We're supposed to have a thing. Uh, like, we're in the same division, okay? That's a whole separate thing than, like, Eagles fans, okay? And the Miracle at the Meadowlands, the only one, like, I remember was such a cool day it was that deshaun deshaun jackson like run back you know because like eagles fans are also very they're not fickle but they're very very much known for being like fuck this guy like we like put all our eggs in this basket and then they turn against their own players oh
0: oh. yeah they're they're like the poster children for like this guy is the savior until like one day where he's like the worst.
1: But but you like they didn't even want McNabb in the beginning, you yeah. know. And so I'll just never forget. I lived in Carmel at the time. I'm up north, and my ex husband he we were we were both huge Eagles fans. He was like fuck the Eagles, like blah blah blah, like doing all this stuff. And I'm like get the fuck out of my house because we were playing the Giants and we we're gonna lose. And we looked like we we're gonna lose, but I had this thing where I knew we were gonna win. And I told him, I was like, you got to leave. You got to take a walk around the block because I know we are going to win this game. He left. That was the game that Deshaun Jackson ran it back for a punt return and we won that game. And I was, and that was like probably like the, our new age, like third medical, me, medical uh, miracle at the Meadowlands. And I just thought like, I just had a feeling like I knew and I'm not saying anything about anything. And I was like, and he came back, and he's like, what happened? I was like, we fucking won. And it was just, like, the coolest thing. And that's all we got, man. Like, we don't have a Super Bowl. So if that's the coolest thing we have, we're going to take it. Like, uh, breaking Tony Roma's back, we're going to take it. Like, beating him on Christmas Day, we're going to take it. Because that's all we have. Because we haven't won a championship since 1960. So we have these moments because we are a good team. And I think that, you know, there's Eagles – Every city has white trash.
0: Eagles fans need to focus on their on their team and on the game. Leave all the other fans alone. Get yourself a home field advantage. Maybe win a playoff game one time.
1: Here's you know what I want to say. I am a hardcore Eagles fan, (laughs) and I I dislike other teams in the NFC East because I'm supposed to. I. I hate the Cowboys more, Um, but I focus, but but like, I just want our team to be good. And I, like I said, I grew up watching quarterbacks. I watch Randall Cunningham. I'm like, that's a running quarterback. That's cool as shit. I've watched quarterbacks since then. I wish that, I love McNabb. I would never say hes he's been the most winningest quarterback that I've had in my like life as an Eagles since I've been born. But he, I'm sorry to say this. He could not read a defense that well. We had a really good offensive line and he had this thing called happy feet. So he could just dance around in the pocket for like six minutes. Like that's an exaggeration. He's a great quarterback, but I don't want that guy. Like I want. A Tom Brady like I want somebody that knows how to like look at the defense like can read the tapes can like see what's going to happen because those are the best quarterbacks so like for me it's not about hating any I think that's why we're not where we could be it's just well, like any other Wentz. team. Wentz
0: is a nice little quarterback.
1: I think Wentz is like I really like Wentz and I actually think, I think your ha-
0: coach is going to get him killed but I like him.
1: <laughs> I think that Wentz has those qualities um, but I also think but yeah anyway I just uh I like, like analyzing quarterbacks in the NFL. So. so you love Eli Manning? No, I don't fucking love Eli Manning. But I have had him on my um, fantasy team before, because I don't play with my heart. I play with my head. Um, I've never won with him, but I have won with Tony Romo, unfortunately, because I like to play fantasy football and I see. I'm this.
0: I I actually, I've I've gone through my. Uh, I've played fantasy. I played fantasy football for a long time. Mm-hmm. I I did fantasy baseball when it was rotisserie baseball, and you had to mail in your teams <laughs> um, to a to a service that would calculate everything for you is this
1: before technology pre-internet oh okay okay. i remember
0: picking uh frank thomas uh (gasps) with the first overall pick when he was a rookie no shit and people were like you're a fucking idiot and then (laughs) that was in the hall of fame yeah uh, or on his way and and he was like good out of the gate and that's still my rotisserie baseball like legendary uh moment
1: it's just like a boston it's like boston market football yeah. talk <laughs> yeah
0: but uh fantasy football i did for a long time and then there was like a time where i had like four teams and then i didn't do it like, for a long too time much. uh but i to this day refuse to take eagles or cowboys because fuck what? it i can make i can build a winning team without them have you won i've won i've won a, a lot over the years but oh okay not, i actually haven't won recently. you started a
1: little when you said okay yeah
0: but um <laughs> recently I had a like one of those technology fails where like your internet service goes down like two minutes before the draft Mm -hmm. and by the time I got my shit started again and like got on mobile I had already drafted DeMarco Murray like first overall with the Cowboys and then uh like i forget who some eagle and i was like fuck it like i literally like was like take my money i'm not even gonna like i was like if somebody wants to take control of my team like (laughs) either trade these guys or i'm like i just don't care like i will not root for them
1: well here's what i said like i when it comes to fantasy football i have done the ultimate sin i have because i have i've always liked to bet a little bit and i like to gamble a little bit and i Think if I lived like close to Vegas, I'd probably have like a problem because I'd be there too much because I like learned what the sports book was. And I'm like, oh, my God, you can like bet on this. And I just I love it. And when I learned at an earlier age, maybe this is because we've never won a Super Bowl is don't bet with your heart. Bet with your head. And so I will take opponents in the NFC East. I don't like it. And I will like try not to. But I also feel like I know them a little bit better. So I know. If I should take them or not, versus right. like somebody else, you know, um, just like I went to Clemson, so I know like, uh, Deshaun Watson better yeah. as a rookie coming in, if you would, you know, stuff like that, and so, I feel like that that would also give me an advantage, but it did kill me because I think it was, um. The f- I think it was the first year I ever played fantasy football in like 2007. It was whenever, whenever like Wes Walker's breakout year was because I, I remember I drafted him 15 of 15 and people were like, who the fuck is Wes Walker? That's weird. I was like, well, he plays for New England, so it's my 15th pick. I already had my kicker, so yeah. who cares? That was his breakout year. He was like my top, re- one of my top receivers. I think Tony Romo was my quarterback that year. the The very first year I ever played fantasy football was also the very first year I ever won first place. And it was because I had a Dallas Cowboy and I fucking hate Tony Romo. Like, listen, I will talk shit on the Cowboys organization. I hate Jerry Jones. I don't think he should have been inducted into the hall of fame. Like I have a, I've got a list long of reasons why, but when it comes to betting and beating people,
0: (laughs) well, I've got a good betting slash sports book story, but I think it's going to, it's bad because is it
1: your baller story.
0: uh, It could be whatever you want. Yeah. So, uh, the New York Giants are winning the Super Bowl this year. And here's how I know.
1: <laughs> I just mic dropped in case you heard a, a loud noise. Here's how I
0: know. I performed at the Improv in Tahoe um, a couple weeks ago with Eddie Ift. Okay. And I spent the whole weekend there. And I have a good friend who lives in Tahoe. And the whole weekend, um, playing blackjack. I'm playing craps. And it was a real up and down gambling weekend. But... I was like prepared when I, when I perform at casinos and i performed performed a lot of casinos over the years, my rule is only lose half of what you're going to get paid for the weekend. Yeah. Like don't lose your whole paycheck. <laughs> yeah. And if you come out a little bit up, great. But, um, a real up and down weekend. But what kept happening is I kept like, you know, I'd be down a hundred bucks and I'd have like 200 bucks in front of me. You know, you put 300 down and so you still have two left, but you're down a hundred. And I was like, I mean, literally the whole weekend, I'd be like, fuck it. 200 on this hand of blackjack. <laughs> yeah. And every time I went in big, I'd win. And wow. at, at, at the end, of yeah. And then I would like, I'd lose a lot of hands, but like I put all, I put my whole stack on odd on a roulette thing at one point and doubled up. I put my whole hand on a roll of craps at one point. So at the end of the weekend, and you were winning. I was winning, but like I would lose a lot of hands, but then be like, fuck it. 200. Like the whole rest on this blackjack. Like the last
1: episode of ballers, by the way, I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And at one point I was down, I I had, um, like I, I put $300 in for the weekend, you know, I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna put $300 in. Yeah. And at one point I'm, I have 140 in front of me and I go, I'm putting 140 on this blackjack hand. And, I get 11 and my buddy Ian's next to me. He's like, you got to double down. I was like, well, if you're fronting the fucking money, <laughs> you're like, you can double down. So he doubles down. Like we win. I give him his 200 back. And, uh, so now I'm up. The whole weekend was like this. So at the end of the weekend, I've got 315 bucks that i that I've won.
1: Mm-hmm. I've won
0: 315, which is nice for me. You know, I doubled my yeah. money. So, um, and I haven't lost any of my, the money I'm making on comedy. Right. So I go to the sports <laughs> which book. Which is
1: important. <laughs>
0: and I was like, I'm gonna bet on the Giants winning the Super Bowl. So I bet fifty six dollars. What year is this? This is this is two weeks ago. Oh, this is oh,
1: three, three, oh, thir- oh okay. This is three
0: weeks ago. This is how I know the Giants are gonna win the Super Bowl. Oh okay. So
1: it's interesting. I go logic.
0: to bet <laughs> on the Giants. I bet fifty six dollars in honor of Lawrence Taylor. Uh mm-hmm. fifteen to one on the Giants, which I think is a really good value bet on the Giants. Mm-hmm. And so I have 320 some dollars in my wallet. I bet 56 on the Giants. So I've got like, 275 bucks in my wallet right ticket for the giants to win the super bowl (laughs) and um my manager was up there with me for a couple of the nights and she's like she's gonna drive us back to la and i'm like cool i'm gonna she goes i'm gonna go to the bathroom i was like cool i'm just gonna sit on this bench and wait for you (laughs) and i sit down on the bench Uh and i take out my Giants super bowl bet and i take a picture of it and i text it to my brother and my friend danny and I was like, it's official, we're winning the Super Bowl, I've got this, uh, I've I made this bet. And, you know, we go back and forth, haha, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I put the ticket back in my wallet, and my manager shows up, and we get in the car, and we head back to L.A., and we're about two hours into the drive, and I'm like, where's my wallet? And I've left my wallet on the bench at a casino with my winnings so i call the harvey's uh, tahoe oh
1: no and they say
0: we have your wallet somebody found it and i go well what's in it and they were like you have a free ticket to a movie amc <laughs> movies so i was like yeah i got that when star wars blacked mm-hmm. out on me and uh and they're like you have uh, like a, a handwritten note from somebody Which is like whatever I'm like I was like Is there $275 in cash <laughs> in there No. And they're like No, there's no cash I was like Okay So they stole my winnings And I so many good big bets they Lost my winnings I go Is there anything else in there And they go Oh, and there's a ticket From the sports book uh, I go You gotta be fucking kidding me They took my money But they didn't take my giant ticket. Through a whole process because they don't release your wallet to anybody but you. I had to fucking give it. Eddie ends up going and getting my wallet, and so my wallet came back to me, and it has my Giants ticket in. Wow. it. Wow! And I think that's. I mean, that's my sign. To me, that's a sign from God that. Why wouldn't they take the? Why wouldn't they take the betting ticket?
1: Well, they probably because it's not Vegas and it's Tahoe and people are fucking stupid in South Lake Tahoe is all or, I can think or of. Or a
0: fucking Eagles fan. <laughs> and he's like, Fuck, take your stupid Giants ticket.
1: Whatever, I would have taken it and thrown it in the sewer yeah, if I saw yeah. it. <laughs> but you know what? That's okay. So that either means that um, what that means is that Joe Prano is winning this year, but maybe not because your money got stolen. Yeah. Or the Giants are winning this year.
0: I've got it right here. I'm going to pull it out. Or for you, neither. Here it is. Giants. Hold on.
1: We'll have to put it on our little uh, Instagram story. To
0: win 2018 pro football champs, 15 to 1.
1: We're going to do this on our little playing with balls Instagram story. If anyone watches this, which a lot of people do, actually um so that means that the giants are gonna win
0: 56 to win 896
1: god I, I cannot end a podcast this way with the giants winning the super bowl you know this right
0: yeah like you understand what, and what the, <laughs> you know what this is actually really funny i didn't see this till right now it what? says to win 2018 pro football champs so that's the super bowl right mm-hmm. giants and then it says 15 to 1 mlb i wonder if that's Hopefully that's not Major League Baseball and there's not some sort of false ticket here.
1: Hold on. You want to say that again? Because I'm putting you on my Insta story.
0: Yeah. To win 2018 pro football champs, Giants 15 to 1, 56 to win 896.
1: This is against all of my logic to put somebody who's a Giants fan on uh, predicting the Super Bowl. But you know what I mean?
0: They say don't bet with your heart. (laughs) <laughs> I did because fuck it, I had blackjack winnings, <laughs> and then suddenly I didn't have blackjack winnings. But the ticket came back to me, and I believe I believe in Eli, I believe in Odell, I believe in our.
1: I, I believe Eli has autism. That's what I believe. Actually, can I He's tell? He's like you, Rain Man,
0: but he really but he kind of is. toothpicks, it's Super Bowls.
1: It, it, Rain Man had autism. Yeah, I have to say that like. Some of the best like football jokes because I love to do sports jokes and like it doesn't work all the time. But the best, the best joke I ever did was Eli Manning face. That's the best joke I ever did. And I I tied it into uh, Super Bowl babies because last year it's not, it's like too topical. So I can't do it anymore, unfortunately. But I did it in the main room at the comedy store and it like really killed. And it was about Eli Manning face and about how like kids are conceived, um, Super Bowl kids are conceived the night that they're. Uh, hometown team wins so they must be like you know retarded or like fetal alcohol syndrome and then like eli and then like that was the year that peyton won and his face and the whole joke just like worked so well and people like really loved it but i can't do it anymore because it's too it was like too long ago and even like women knew what that was because they watched the super bowl and now like no
0: one knows what i'm talking about but
1: it was a really good eli joke for like a good four months. I, five nothing months. makes me
0: happier than a good Eli joke too, because <laughs> everybody wants to make fun of Eli's face and say he's retarded and he has autism. But f- you know, for, I've met Eli a, a, a number of Have times. You? Yeah. He, well, first of all, he has the second highest wonder score in the history of the test behind. Yeah. Ryan, that's what I hear. Behind I do, Ryan he I do went to hear Harvard. that. I do hear that. He's also a quarterback robot. He is straight up. Like I've met him. I met him once, uh, after a week 16 game and they played the Panthers in week 17 and needed, yeah they needed to win to get in so we knew after the week 16 game that we had to win week 17 to get in the, the playoffs so we were hanging out in the locker room after the game and I go to meet Eli and I'm like I was like Eli nice to meet you and Danny's like it's my friend Joey and um, I'm shaking his hand I'm like you know, big fan. I was like, so I go, are we gonna win? Next Joey week? from New York. Yeah, I go, are we gonna win next week? And he and he literally looks at me. He's like, well, you know, uh, I'm sure Coach <laughs> Coughlin's gonna come up with a great game plan, and we're gonna <laughs> go out there, and we're gonna we're gonna give him our best it's shot. It's like you're
1: an and ESPN r- yeah. new reporter. And That's I so funny. I
0: literally said to him, I go, oh, I'm not, I'm not from the press. I'm just like Danny's friend. I was like, are we gonna are we gonna win next week? He's like, you know, we're gonna give him our best game. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, so you don't. You don't actually know how to have, like, a regular proper conversation. <laughs> I, I finally, like, third time, I was, are we going to win? He's like, I think we'll win. You know, I think, we'll, I think we'll win.
1: I love that. I actually kind of love that. What do you think about, like, Coughlin not being a part of um, the Giants anymore? Are you sad about it?
0: I am sad. I, I love Tom Coughlin. Yeah. I think Tom Coughlin is one of the great. NFL coaches in history. I mean, he outcoached Belichick in two Super Bowls. He took the Jacksonville Jaguars to the AFC Championship game in year two of their existence. Yeah, um, and
1: he's back with them, right? The Jags. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He's he's uh, he's with their organization now. The, you know, the thing about Tom Coughlin that I love is a lot of people, um, especially a lot of coaches in the NFL and in sports in general, they don't really, they don't really give like they don't change. Yeah. You know, and that's what happened to Chip Kelly. And that's what happened to Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, in a, in a league where these they're millionaire 20 year olds, they didn't want to be treated like they were college kids. And both yeah. of those guys were college style coaches. And 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 Coughlin was a college coach, obviously coming from Boston College, which
1: is hard to make that transition yeah. to NFL in the first place. You know, and,
0: and people forget that there was a there was a big uh, issue in the Giants locker room. He was mad at michael strahan for showing up on time to i remember meet that yeah and he said he told him five minutes early is on time on time is five minutes late. late and they now it's a joke coughlin time or whatever and him and strahan had a back and forth and strahan was like the only bright spot on our team at the time and strahan talks about at this time he's like i didn't get along with coughlin and then coughlin became more of a player's coach he tried to see it from our side and that's when they won two super bowls he became a little bit nicer he became a little bit less of a general he became a little bit less of an asshole he was still tom coughlin which is why they were you know guys really respected him but he changed yeah and um he evolved I, yeah and I think the game, you know, I think the Giants just went on a downturn after a couple of Super Bowls. And, you know, I like Ben McAdoo, but I will I'll miss Tom Coughlin. I loved I love Tom Coughlin.
1: Yeah. I mean, he always reminded me of like a wild turkey. Yeah. Because like when he would get mad, like that vein in his neck would throb and his face would get all red. And he would like tear his like headphones off and he'd be like, come on, you know, like he would just be he was like so animated. And that was so different to me to see, versus like an Andy Reid who like never showed right. a of anything he was such more of like a bill belichick with like a poker face you know but tom coughlin like wears it on his sleeve like he doesn't have a good poker face and especially when his face gets red yeah and i don't disrespect him at all as a coach actually i i just love to see that vein see as an eagles fan like the only thing i can say is like i like to i like to get that vein throbbing because i'm like that's how we got you yeah you know and Um, obviously his
0: his his big you know anger moment Was when Matt Dodge Kicked the ball To, yep. to Sean Cause yep. Kick it out of fucking bounds But
1: Oh he was so mad He
0: was so mad was And so a lot mad. of people are like oh he's an asshole He's the kind of guy That like rips his f- Players apart But the thing about He was just mad Yeah And the thing about Tom Coughlin Is he He was kind You know Like Strahan said He was kind of an asshole Yeah But you won't find a single giant or a single guy who played under Coughlin that's not like, oh, Tom Coughlin's like my favorite person of all time.
1: Right. Because he taught you so many things and he's allowed to be that person, yeah. you know. Um, so on that note, Callie's mad because we are praising the Giants yeah. too much. You Callie kind of looks
0: like Tom Coughlin. <laughs>
1: After her surgeries, especially, she got her cherry eye removed. Tom Coughlin has a bit of a cherry eye. But, you know, the Giants have a new coach, McAdoo. We have a new coach, Peterson. So who knows what's going to happen? You know, you bet on the Giants to win. I wouldn't do that because I don't bet with my heart. And I make more money doing that. Um, But maybe that's because I'm a Philadelphia fan through and through. But I am excited about um, this year. I have to say that, like... I have like I'm going I'm finally going to two Eagles games this year on the West Coast, which has been a long time coming. We have
0: we have the AFC West this year.
1: Oh, and you know what? I'm going to invite you to this. So I am um, one of our newest sponsors of the podcast is Green Legion, and they are the away game for Philadelphia Eagles. And they bring the Philadelphia to every other city. Mm. And I've actually done the Green Legion at the old candlestick. I don't have to spit
0: on children or anything, do I?
1: no 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 no, of course not they just bring like about a thousand people from philadelphia to like every other city um i'm just saying you would like love it you would just stand there and be like where the fuck am i yeah
0: so 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 what games are you going to
1: the rams so they're bringing about a thousand philadelphia people to uh santa monica for the rams game in december and then maybe the chargers but because the stadium is so small there it's like harder to get tickets for that one so you get
0: two games in LA this year yeah that's amazing I
1: might not go to the Chargers though if I can't you have to go I know but I have to like get like tickets on like the black market or something yeah um, but da- just start
0: I- dating a Chargers fan.
1: <laughs> a Chargers fan? Who's that? I don't know. Sounds like a it's, it sounds like an LA guy actually.
0: It, uh, you know, the Giants last year had an LA Rams home game, but they played it in London.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. And
0: this year we didn't draw. We we have the Chargers at home, but so I'll be going to oh. Oakland and uh, we have Oakland and San Francisco and Denver. Oh. And Arizona. We're, so we're, we have a couple of issues. but games you don't have here.
1: anything in LA though.
0: No, no. I wish we had the Chargers or the Rams last year, but no Rams this year.
1: So yeah, we have both, but we now we have the LA Chargers because the Rams finished
0: fourth and the Eagles finished fourth, so you guys match up. Whatever you guys
1: finished third, okay? Or se- you were actually second. No, yeah. I'm sorry, you're second. Yeah, we made
0: the playoffs last year. Yeah, but we, we were beat the Dallas twice. we
1: were the last team that beat you, so that was fun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on uh, December twenty sixth, two thousand sixteen. On that note. Um, I'm actually, thank you for being on the podcast and not killing me as much as I thought you would, because just the way that I know that you are, um, I thought you were going to just like come out, like, you know, guns blazing. That would be
0: an Eagles fan. That would be a Philly fan thing to do. Like we, Giants fans, New York fans. Oh, you guys are so
1: classy. Oh my God. We only,
0: I I always (laughs) say this, I always we'll bring it all the way back around the comedy. I, uh, I only attack audience members when provoked i do not fire until fired upon. i'm not a
1: heckler okay yeah. like you're acting as if i'm a heckler no, no no i'm
0: saying i that's it's the same way that's the same way i approach sports like i won't go to a game and call like if you're an eagles fan and you take out your dick and like start <laughs> waving it around it i at, do that all the time Life, by the way <laughs> like i'll throw some shit at you but like <laughs> i'm not like i'm very i'll go hey man like let's just say let's do it like one two three this guy sucks and then like call it a day <laughs> um But I won't, I don't attack until provoked. So I was here, I was here on a friendly tip. And then, you know, if I get called out, same thing. If I go to a game and somebody comes at me, now it's on. Well,
1: in case you were going to come at me, I actually made a list of things that we could agree on. And that was number one, we both hate the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Number two, we both hate the New York Yankees. Yes. Number three, we both love puppies.
0: Absolutely. So
1: that was it. it. So that was like our, our like common ground. That is our peace treaty. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Playing With Balls podcast with Joe Prano. We have agreed that during the football season, we're going to watch a Giants-Eagles game together, and you guys will get to bear witness to uh, the Giants losing in front of both of our eyes. So you saw a contentious group come together this week in a wonderful podcast. If you're not already listening to the Dirty Sports podcast with Joe Prano and Andy Ruther, tune in. It's awesome and thank you guys so much for all of your downloads all of your feedback please continue to rate and review us you can follow me at shannon lee comedy you can follow playing with balls on uh, instagram twitter and facebook at playing with balls and don't forget to follow joe prano at joe prano and dirty sports at dirty sports thanks again guys see you next time